74 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. We are joined again by Corey Martin as our fill-in this week. How's it going, Corey? Hey guys, how are you? Good so far. If it would quit raining, it'd be better. Yeah, a little soggy. Every freaking day. It hasn't been, it hasn't been too wet. It's been like in the 70s here, though. That's been Shut so up. weird. Hmm. It has not been in the 70s <laughs> here. Today wasn't bad. Because it rained all freaking Today wasn't bad because it was raining. Yeah. And... The lightning and thunder was so bad, it knocked the power out of the shop for like 10 seconds. Really? Yeah. Yeah, oh. I'd open the door to look at the storm, and I was like, the, I saw the lightning, and then the, light, the power went out. I was like, oh, I'm going to close wow. the door. We're going to stay inside. Wow. But, That's no good. No. But when it wasn't raining this week, we got to go herping. So that was cool. Yeah. Did you find anything cool this time? We found something every time. Except for the other morning. We only found dead snakes. Yeah, it did suck. But we found... Uh, broadband of water snakes, really pretty broadband of water snakes. Uh, cotton mouths almost every time, which really unfortunately have never chased us. I can't, I can't yeah, get them chased. Apparently, throw sticks at them. <laughs> we saw uh, a <laughs> crayfish snake. That was the first crayfish snake I've ever seen. Mm. Well, it was a, gl- a glossy swamp snake, which is a type of crayfish. Well, it was also a glossy crayfish snake as well. It's one name for it yeah. as well. Uh, we saw the green Mississippi uh, green water snake. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Uh, a decay snake, which was the only thing that actually musked on me. Yep. All the water snakes. That was, <laughs> I wow, found, that's amazing. I went by myself a couple of mornings ago because somebody didn't wake up Yeah, and found a prairie king snake along with a bunch of cottonmouths and Mississippi greens. And then the weirdest thing we found was a six-foot alligator sitting in the middle of the road. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we, like we, that's really we, cool we came and unexpected. Off of a, Came off a side street, and we're like, what is that in the road up well, there? Well, we had just come from down and there. There was a car stopped on the other side of whatever it was, but it was an alligator, but it was tailed towards us, so it, it was hard it's to small. And then it, like, turned, and we were like, holy shit, that's a big alligator. Yeah. Wow. Do you have a lot of miscellaneous alligators in that area? We've seen five or six yeah, of them out there that were really? out there herping, wow. but not, they were all, like, three-footers. Except for that wow. guy. Except for that's that one. Cool. He, was, he was a lot bigger. He was well-fed. Yeah. It's where, where we're herping at is in the general vicinity, vicinity of Brazos Bend State Park, which is known for having lots of okay. alligators. Yeah, okay, someone posted on our group this week. It was funny. They posted in our group a picture of an alligator with a bunch of baby alligators from the state park. Right. So, so yeah, it's fun. Um, you know, my goal is to find a – I really would like to find a pair at some point of uh, speckled king snakes – yeah. Breed them. And the hair. Yeah. I would like to breed them and then release them back where I found them. Yeah. I got a hunting permit for the sole purpose of being able to keep snakes, I find. Yep. Exactly. Well, yeah. So I apparently can't get one of those. So James doesn't actually get to do anything with the snakes, but for look at them. six months. Yeah. I have to live yeah. here for six months before I can even get a fishing license. Well, he could get one. Well, I can get like an out of state. Three hundred dollars. I can get an out of state fishing license, or an out of state, and well, I can get an out of state fishing license for a fairly reasonable price. But to get the thing for the snakes, I have to have a hunting license, and that is not a fairly reasonable mm-hmm. price. So yeah, I just get to look at snakes and go, "Hey, look, that's a snake," and I can't do anything with it. So, oh well. Well, we also saw out there. We saw. Uh, we've seen all every, the mammals. Every mammal, yeah. except for a bobcat. Yep, we've seen pigs and possums and raccoons we unfortunately 
drove down the road and turned around, came back 10 minutes later, and there was somebody had hit a barred owl. Yeah, a big barred owl. And it was oh, dead man. in the road. It was beautiful, but. What was the wow. bird we saw the other day? That was awesome. Big bird of prey. Uh, the, oh, a caracara. The caracara, which was really cool. I'd never oh. seen one of those in person. Um, we saw. And then James like, the only thing we haven't seen is a coyote. And then we get on the freeway coming home, and one runs across yeah. the freeway in front of us. Yeah. Our neighborhood is lousy with coyotes. We get them all the time. I bet. Like tons of them. And we also have a bobcat that hangs out in our neighborhood. Really? But we like, I live in this like suburban neighborhood and we'll see coyotes just like walking down the street. It's well, like, know, it's actually not cool. Like it's not good for them. There's a population of coyotes near Wrigley Field in Chicago. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yep. Wow. They come out in the middle of the night. They think they, they're fairly certain they live down in the storm sewers. So interesting. Yeah. And they make a living there. What always, yeah. like, what always gets me with coyotes is hearing people that are, uh, we'll say ignorant, but I really want to say unintelligent, uh, that always say that they want to kill them because they treat them like they're invasive. I mean, they're not invasive. They, they got no, there naturally. No, we're invasive. <laughs> yeah. Like, just because coyotes weren't where you were 30 years ago doesn't mean they didn't mm-hmm. get there naturally. Yeah. yeah. You kill all of the other predators, the coyotes go, hey, let's move in. But Yep. yep. So that's, that's our coyote talk for the night. Nathan says it sounds like I'm enjoying Texas. I am enjoying Texas, Nathan. Foods, Nathaniel, if it would stop uh, raining. Yeah, it's been terrible. I mean, where we were herping at, it was flooded. Like, we had oh, to yeah. drive through water on the road the first night we went. Wow. Yeah. Houses, like, with water all underneath them. And- oh, yeah. We, we passed houses where they had to park on the road. And then I'm guessing just wade through probably knee-deep water to get to their house. Is it the kind of rain where it's just the ground saturated, so yes. anything oh, that yeah. comes just kind of sits? Yeah. 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 It's miserable. Yeah. It, uh, but, you know, in a few months, we'll be like, God, oh, we need I some see. rain. <laughs> yep. It's the way it works. Yeah. Nathaniel says they did the same thing uh, with the wolves. Yeah. They killed the wolves. That's why the coyotes are there now. Yeah. You can't find any red wolves because you kill all the red wolves. Yeah. You know, you have coyotes. Uh, or you have the, the wolves out west where they killed them all, then they brought in new wolves, which aren't the wolves they killed. Right. Yeah, they're bringing mm-hmm. in the Arctic gray wolves. And now I have a whole new problem. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so our guest, speaking of out west, I'll go ahead and bring in our guest. Let me pop him up on the screen. Who lives in Colorado? Who lives in Colorado? Jason Miloradovich, who, who we tried to have on two, like three, weeks, three weeks or whenever it was. And, and we had technical difficulties, so we will work through those tonight. But Jason Miloradovich of Top Line Constrictors. How's it going, Jason? It's going good. How are you guys doing? Uh, Good so far. Yeah. I, I, I had a good week because I started feeding my rainbow boas yesterday. My new babies. Yep. I got oh, nice. four out of ten to eat last you night. you try them before they shed? No. I waited till they shit. I mean, they take forever. I I haven't bred rainbows since well, successfully bred them since two thousand seven. I just haven't. I really haven't tried that much, and I finally tried again. Luckily, and, and I've talked about before, my male that I had forever was the dad, and he passed away. But I apparently forgot how long it takes them to shed because with like uh, boas and like sand boas, those guys shed within about a week. But these rainbow boas, it took two two good weeks for them to start shedding. Um, but then I got them set up individually last night. Which also probably threw a bunch of them off, which is why a bunch probably didn't eat. So I'll try them again in a week, and I'm sure they'll be fine. Are they usually pretty easy to start? Jason can talk about that. He's I know he breeds them probably more than I do. Yep. 
those usually are for me. Every once in a while, I guess it's honestly start the majority. See now, I think feisty when they're babies, and so they have a pretty snappy response, and you can. I screwed ourselves up, and now losing me. Yes. Ugh. Hold on. All right, Robert, carry the show. Give me a second. What? Carry the show. Give me a second. Oh, we're live? No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, we do have a little bit of a delay with Jason, but it was getting... Um, yeah, it was... It was getting kind of choppy. But, yeah, I mean, those rainbow bows are definitely feisty. James, like, stuck his hand in there the other night and had, like, four of them hanging off of his hand. Oh, wow. In the, in the t- I mean, he had a glove on. Cause, that's, you know, that's good, though. That's like feisty babies or hungry babies. Yeah, so. which he got four of them to eat last night, so maybe that that's was awesome. the four that were biting him. <laughs> That's Who awesome. knows? Yeah, I got bitten last night for the first time in a long time feeding baby feeding colubrids by like really? by like a six month old scaleless corn snake. He, <laughs> I dropped the the mouse in there and it fell in his water dish. So I reached in there with the tongs to pull it out, and he shot right past it and grabbed me on the finger. And I'm like holding him up in the air, like and he's like trying to eat my finger, and he's maybe half the diameter of my finger. And I'm like, dude, come on! Wow, uh, didn't even break the skin. He's so little, but. Um, oh, that's funny. I'm, I'm more afraid that I'm going to hurt this expensive corn snake trying to get it off yeah. of me. Yeah. And, uh, but he let go and then grabbed the that's mouse. Good. So you trying that's to get good. him to call I still, him? I still have to, um, I still have like the flinch reaction sometimes and I'm still like trying to train it out of me. Oh yeah. No, I still, f- it's a hard one to break with All this. Right, let's hold on one second. Let me see if this works. Jason, can you hear us? Oh, hold on. It's. Yes, yeah. I can. You hear me? I heard him that time. Well, that was on here. So hold on, pause this, or mute him there. Deal with us, people. We're we're technology is not our friend. All right, Jason, can you hear us now? I can. It's pretty quiet, but I can hear you. Let me. We got him through the phone. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. Good. All right. So you're our first guest through our phone line. I haven't I haven't tried that before. So. That worked. It's working really well, though. We can. It's good timing, and we can hear well. Yeah, it's working yeah. as long as my there's phone no lag now. As long as my phone doesn't die, we're good. All right. So I've when you, when my, you cut uh, off before, you were trying to say you're starting to say about how they're they're like bitey little suckers. Oh yeah, for the rainbows. Yeah, they do really good. Actually, they're they're usually a pretty good starter. They're um they're feisty. They're probably the worst of anything I keep, but they calm down the fastest with regular handling. But um, funny story, talking about getting bit a lot. Um, what I, a lot of times what I do when I'm cleaning cages is I'll take a baby out and I'll hold it in one hand. I'll clean with the other hand just to get it used to being handled a little bit. And then, uh, the 2020 babies I had last year, I'm going to hold on. Yeah. Go ahead and turn off your, or mute your mic on your computer. That way we still have you on video. That would be best. (laughs) Sean Gray said most baby bows are assholes. I don't find that to be true. I find that to be 100% true with the rainbows. Why am I still... I, I think we're hearing the sound from his end come through on the, the phone. phone. Yeah, right. Yeah, he just needs to mute his computer. <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting it to turn off. I'm trying to figure out how to do just, that. Just turn the volume down. See if that'll work. Hey, there you go. Da, da, da. I think we're good. All right, can you hear me? Yeah, yep. we're good. Okay, I just lost the uh, visual when I did that, but... We can still see you. But anyway, so I was uh, 
holding a baby in one hand, cleaning the tub. My kids are in the room with me and my, um, of course it's nice and hot in there. So I don't have a shirt on. And I got oh, one man. latched right onto my belly. They thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. They got small mouths. <laughs> yeah. But I've always said as adults, they have insanely large teeth, way longer than I thought that they would have until like I saw my male yawn when he was about three or four. And that's when I realized I did not want to get bit by him. They do. It, uh, it makes you suspect they're probably bird eaters a lot more than we feed them in the in captivity. hundred percent. Because I always assume just because of their coloring and everything that they, they live on the ground because they look very much like they would live in leaf litter. So I figured they'd have more, something more like a boa constrictor teeth, which I'm not saying boa constrictors have small teeth, but they don't have those massive recurved teeth like our boreal snakes. But man, you watch an adult rainbow yawn, it'll make you think twice about sticking your hand in there. Yeah, definitely. That's what Lana said her baby, her Burmese babies were biters as well. And and she messaged us the other night and was like, well, I already got tagged. Like, as soon as they were coming out of the egg. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> wow. Yeah, I, like, with uh, Sambo's, I tend to not find that they don't bite that much. And with uh, the boa I don't tend to have that much of an issue either. John Grant says, I'm a baby when it comes to bites. I'm not a baby when it comes to bites. I just don't like getting bit. <laughs> I'm not like, look, I've watched John Grant grab snakes and he doesn't give two shits if it's going to bite him. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't I that life. A customer asked John Grant, what's it like to get bit? And he goes, here, watch, bam, and lets this king snake bite him on the finger. It's not bad, look. No. Yeah. I don't reach into my uh, my baby rainbow bows without gloves on. Really? And I refuse. I'm not I'm not getting bit. I got, my friend went over there, because I wasn't there when they were born, so my friend went over there to get them from the mom, and he got bit by every single one of them. I was on the phone with him, and all I could hear was, ow, ow, ow. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I just refuse. <laughs> Oh, that's normal with those. <laughs> See, that's leather gloves. I can handle them and still not get bit. It's great. But they haven't calmed down. Oh. I've, I've tried to reach in there and mess with them on a regular basis, and they've definitely calmed down some. And once you get them out, you know, they tend to bite in the cage, but once they're in your hand, they calm down a little bit more. You just got to kind of work through it, hold them for a while, and they'll calm down pretty quick. See, and I, I got some to a, a blind lady one time, and that was one of her her criteria she wanted babies but she wanted them real calm and i had them i had them calm down within two weeks able to ship them see i got spoiled because when i got my mail at an expo in 2003 he was great he never struck he's never he never ever struck at me as i owned him the only time he ever struck at anybody was my dad when he was taking care of him but he was also in the process of feeding him that's the only time ever so i got spoiled by him so every other one when someone's like rainbows are bitey i'm like yeah, I didn't experience that with mine until they started having babies. And I was like, yes, rainbows are biting. All of them. They come out that way. <laughs> Sean Gray said he wanted yeah. to say hi, Jason. He was just dropping in to say hi. Oh, hey, Sean. Hey, Sean. But Yeah, I can't. I lost the screen for some reason. I can't see anything either now. Hey, as long as we got audio, we're good. So Cool. What, that um, wasn't last time anyway. <laughs> how long have you been keeping rainbows? Uh, I've been keeping rainbows since... Um, Either 96 or 97. I don't remember exactly when it was. I got my, um, so, you know, back then there was no internet really to look at on stuff. And so I had decided, you know, there was you know, the mall pet shop had boas and I really wanted a boa. I knew my parents were going to be pretty against it. And I, um, what I did is I worked right by the library. So I, I checked out every book I could on snakes so that I could have arguments for everything they said. And I said, no, this is the truth. This is what's going to happen. And so as soon as I turned 16, I said, I'm going to go buy this snake. They were holding it for me already at the mall. And uh, 
Um, anyway, in the course, so I bought, it was a, just a Colombian boa. But in the course of all that research, in one of those books, I came across a uh, picture of a rainbow boa. And I was just, I was blown away. I had no idea anything like this existed. And then, um, so I'd had my Colombian boa just, I don't know, six months or so. And I, I had a subscription to reptiles back then. And, you know, you remember the classifieds that used to be in the back? Yes. So I was flipping through the classifieds and I saw this ad and I had no idea who the guy was selling them, but it was a guy named Peter Cowell Reptiles. <laughs> and so I called him up with my mom's credit card and I bought two of them. And then I think about four months later, I called him again and bought two more. So I had four of them, right? Like that first year. And then that's really all I was allowed to get till I moved out. So. <laughs> so were those I can't were those your first snakes? No, that Colombian uh red tail. Right. Well, that Colombian boa, you know, back then they were called Colombian red tails. That's so that red my tails. very first. But the the rainbows were a close second because I was just So you I mean, ran talk about being enamored with something. Like I just when I saw those, I couldn't believe it was real, you know? You ran into the same issue as me then, because I'm sure you found out at the very beginning they're not as easy to keep as a, as a Colombian. They, so I got lucky out of, um, I guess it would be pure luck. Honestly, I live in Colorado. Uh, it's a very, very dry state. Um, so it, it is challenging to keep snakes here. Like even my ball pythons will dry out if I'm not careful. And, um, so when I was a kid, I had this deal with this pet shop guy that, uh, he had broken tanks. I was doing some odd jobs for him and I'd get these broken tanks and I'd usually replace one pane of glass with plexiglass or something. Yeah. And that's what I was turning into my tanks and I was making my own screen tops for him. Huge, uh, <laughs> huge no, no now. Right. So I had screen tops. I had carpet on the bottom, but I wanted them to look fancy. So I had those little tiny fountains going in them at all the time. And I think that allowed me to really thrive in there because they had all this extra humidity because those fountains were splashing everywhere. Yeah. He's- they they are uh, they're a tricky one when it comes to humidity and I and we, we talked about early on when I started the show we talked about uh, mistakes that we made in keeping my biggest mistake ever came with rainbow boas I I killed my entire litter that I produced in 2007 uh, I we, I moved from Louisiana or no, I moved from Alabama to Louisiana uh, and at one point I was I was living by myself and I went and changed water bowls and I just forgot to go back and put water bowls back in and I think about two days went by and I came back and they were all dead they. Uh, they are definitely one that will dry out very quick. Whereas like something like Sambo is, that's definitely not an issue. And so I, I'm very uh, determined to make sure I stay on top of watering these guys every day. Uh, Cause I, I know that the, the, along with the high humidity, they just, they have to have water way more than say a bow constrictor. Bow constrictors are almost bulletproof. Yeah. Cause a lot of snakes can go, but you're right. Two days is about it with those guys. And, one thing that I would focus on with those two that I think a lot of people miss is they put this, um, they really focus on humidity, but those need hydration yeah. as well. And a fresh water, you know, cause I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of times they get, they're almost snobby about it, but they don't want an old bowl in there. Oh yeah. You go you know, fill in get, a new the bowl. The water gets a little stagnant. I'll ignore it. Yeah. Cause as soon as you go fill the water, like if you, you can go dump that water after, after two days, three days of being there, go dump it, put in new water. You'll see them go drink almost within 30 minutes yep. to go drink new water. Um, yep. And I think people miss that, that, you know, when we talk about hydration, that doesn't mean your humidity levels are good. Cause I hear that all the time. I say a snake looks dehydrated and people tell me, Oh, my humidity is perfect. Well, it's, it's two separate things. Yeah. You know? 
Well, I think we focus. That's one thing when we talk about humidity. And I forget who mentioned it before. I've heard it before, but hydration is a huge issue that people look past. Uh, like you said, they, they really focus, especially on the high humidity animals like rainbows, on making sure they get. Because that was one issue we ran into early on was how to get the humidity high. And we had it in a glass tank with a screen lid, and then we bought uh, PVC and cut or, uh, plexiglass and cut plexiglass to f- cover part of the lid, and then. Uh, later on, we built cages, and then we had issues with too much. It was – I don't know how he made it 18 years because it was a learning experience through the first, like, five for sure. But I, I, water is a huge thing, and it's for for a lot of them. But, I mean, something like those guys, it's very tricky, especially because you're talking about something that comes from the same places, you know, red-tailed boas. And red-tailed boas are much tougher. Uh, Darren says yeah. his blood will only drink fresh water. I think we, we underestimate how many of these animals are drinking from moving water. Right. You know, in the That's wild, really they're either drinking from a fresh pool of rainwater or dew, which is very fresh water or moving water. They're not, they're not coming to stagnant pools of water in the wild and taking in large amounts. So, well, and that's true. If it's moving, it is keeping a lot fresher. And, you know, they, a lot of these are found, you know, near riverbanks and moving water. So that's a good point. And so you've been keeping them since the late nineties. When did you start breeding them? I had my first litter of them in, uh, 2002. And I wasn't home for it. Of course, I was out of town. I was actually in Texas. Um, and so I got to come home to all those little bitey, feisty babies. <laughs> but, uh, I had a big enough cage. They were in there with their mom. They had enough hiding spots that they all did pretty well that time. But, um, I was kind of hooked, you know, once you start having, having live babies born, it's, I don't know, there's something about it. It's, it's, it's hard to ever think that that's not going to be in your life anymore, you know? Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, yeah, I- it's just, I, I don't know. It just becomes who you are. You know, I've, I've been, I've had snakes in my house more than half my life now. It's just, I don't know that I could ever give it up, you know? I've talked about before. There's been moments in, uh, in the last 20 so years I've been keeping snakes where, you know, I'm like, man, I, I could get rid of everything. And then I think, well, I can't get rid of everything. I don't know who I'd be if I didn't have a room full of snakes. Like, I, that's a big part of, you know, all of us in, in our social circles become the snake person. More not at herp shows or whatever with the other snake people. But when we're around normal people, yeah. we are we are the snake people. Uh, even my yeah, wife. You're the weirdo with a room full of snakes. <laughs> I, I contend that we're the normal people. They're fucking weird because they don't like snakes. Well, even yeah. my wife, when she, I mean, she's not a snake person, but she's married to me and she helps with snakes. But when she's talking with other people, they treat her as like she's a snake person. I'm like, and it only takes like having one. And right. then you're that weird person. Yep. Yep. And then they yeah. go, ooh, I'll never come to your house. Great. You weren't invited yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> John Grant says the difference between captive bred babies and import uh, Brazilian rainbows is huge. I would imagine. Uh, I would imagine the imports. I've never owned an import, but I would imagine that they're probably even more defensive than the captive stuff is. But yeah, I don't know how. You know, that's in possible. my mind, the thing with imports is, um, I mean, yeah, you can get an older one, but by the time you get it established to the rhythms of where you live, it's probably going to take just as long as it would for you to raise up a captive baby. And I don't know that it's like, for me, it's not really worth dealing with the idea of parasites and other issues you might have with it. That's my biggest issue is I just, I don't want to put it, and it's going to be pure laziness on my part. I know. I don't want to put in the time for deworming and having to deal with this and and getting fecal. I just, I don't want to do it, which sucks because there there are some snakes that are still imported that are snakes that I want. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want 
uh, Saharan uh, Samboas, and almost nobody is captive breeding them because they're super cheap and you can get them imported. I just don't feel like dealing with an import. Also an import that then I've got to try and get it to eat frozen little mice like everything else in my collection eats because that's all I want to feed it because, again, I'm lazy and I fully understand that. So I don't take the time. I also want Calabar's burrowing pythons, mm-hmm. and they're imported until until uh, they can get bred by Dr. Wyman, and then I'm getting one. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Saharan Sandoors were the only thing I've ever bought that was uh, imported, and that's kind of what turned me off. I had a you know I, I lost both of them pretty quickly. The male had pretty bad mouth rot, and uh, you know it's quarantine's one thing, but with something like that, it's like an entirely different level of quarantine. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. It's quarantine. And I, I, kind of decided I, I have I really been through it recently that. with imports, and I'm. I'm turned off of it for a while because yeah. I've had some pretty intensive care I've had to do, and Poor it's you just had, too much. Yeah, that was yeah, that sucks. I, you yeah. lost really, and I wanted to put a price tag on animals, but you lost animals that also aren't common. You lost very uncommon. That was that was the, that was the thing that really sucked about it because I had a male apodora, and those are hard to come by. So yeah, only a handful of people have them, and, and it wasn't anything yeah. of, of your fault. Like nope. And, and the biggest problem I hear with a lot of the imports is when people get them in, they start trying to worm them right away. And the problem is the importing process is very stressful. So their immune system is kind of shot then. Yeah. So you've got to get them in, get them settled, and then you've got to treat them. It's just a whole process. It, that it's, I just, it's a whole thing. Yeah. I'm not made for it. I can't. I don't. I, I like my animals coming from someone else's house into my house. And all I got to check is for mites. And then we're good. <laughs> but. Yeah. So are, rain, are Brazilian rainbows the only ones you have, Jason? No, I've got Brazilians, uh, Colombians, and Argentines. See, I just I can't get, Ooh, Argentines, I can't that's get cool. behind Colombians. They will not breed. <laughs> I have been trying, and I don't know what it is with my pair, but they just, um, they're just not ready. I don't know. They're up to size, but they, they just don't give each other any attention. So, you know, it's always the animals you want the most, the one that you really want the litter out of this year. Yes. That's the one that'll take two more years than you expected to, you know? Yep. Without fail. <laughs> My problem with Colombians yeah, is just not as pretty. Law, but it's, yeah. I'll get there. But. Colombians just don't have that color. Brazilian, to me, Brazilians, when it comes to all the rainbows, Brazilians are the epitome of what I want in a rainbow boa. And I've talked about it before. When you get to the morphs, like hypos and all this stuff, I'm like, you're taking away my favorite part of a rainbow boa. Which is the that color. that color? Yeah, I was gonna say I like the leucistic Colombians, but then it's just a totally it's different a thing sn- than yeah, what you. Re- it's, yeah, it's just a white snake. It's not what you're looking for with rainbows usually. Now, I don't get me wrong. I'd prefer a leucistic Colombian over a regular Colombian because to me, regular Colombians are are boring. They're just a brown tan, patternless snake almost when they're full grown. Um, so in my mind, that's the draw to the Colombians is you can get all those morphs. Yeah, I mean the natural the the Colombians are pretty. I mean they're not a Brazilian. Because they are just kind of that dirty brown, but they still have a, a pretty amazing iridescence. They um, they're hardier, you know. They yeah. they they handle warmer temperatures. They handle uh, drier uh, enclosures and things like that. But there are some really cool morphs out there. So like I have the leucistics, I have um, albinos, I have a paradigm, I have uh, some ghost ghost slash amory because they're not a they're not a true you know amory that- hypo making ghost. They were just termed ghosts. That's another thing in, in snakes that drives me nuts when you go from different species and people using the same term, but it's not the same combination. I yeah. just like, 
we, we, mm-hmm. I feel like we over here in this group, we settled on this, you know, like ghost, we settled it for a lot of stuff. It is Annery and hypo together. Don't name anything else ghost, but you'll see other things pop up with the name of that. And like, you could, you could have named it anything. Yeah. You have anything you can go to. Don't go to something that exists. Right. They do it in ball pythons sometimes. I'll see them. Well, yeah, I was going to say, there's ghost ball pythons, yeah. which yeah. I hate. Yeah, and I, you get the true ghost, which is the actual, like, azanthic and hypo together. But just call it ghost. Yeah. I Make I, it simpler. So, because when I'm with the Brazilians, they have the albinos, which which are, are, are nice. But, again, takes away my favorite part of Brazilians. Um, they are cool. And I think part of it's the wow factor. They're just, yeah. and they're still rare enough. And it took you know, so long to get that first one to reproduce. So it was out there. There was pictures of it floating around. But now that there's people actually making babies, I think that's part of it. It's just, it's got a big wow factor with it. And truthfully, I mean, some of the hypos are really cool. I mean, you can get some, like, especially some of the high colored ones are really nice. And, you know, the uh, caramel albinos, are, I prefer over the T-negative albino. Yeah. Well, because you can still get some color, which shows the pattern really well. True. I uh, and then there's the line like you look at for for people that are not into rainbow boas. Dave Calling is kind of like to me, I guess the the epitome of what you want your rainbows look like. He's been doing it forever, and he's got so many different line bred stuff where the patterns are crazy and the colors are crazy, and <laughs> so a lot what, of words. Oh, words. Uh, so there's a lot of line bred stuff if you get into Brazilian rainbows as well. Yeah. So when I first got into them. I'd never, I mean, there was no like high red at that point. Nobody was talking about that. It was high orange. And I don't know if it's because that's when I got into them and kind of what I was seeing, but that's certainly, I, I, you know, I know I go against the grain a little bit, but I really like the orange over the, the dark red stuff. I'm the opposite. I like the red. That was my, my male was red and my female is far more orange and he turned orange in the later years, but he was a very, very pretty deep red through most of his life. And I love that. But that's one thing with rainbows is, well, and Corey, you'll get this because it's very yeah. similar with carpets. Uh, you have a baby born and you don't really know what it's going to look like because with rainbow boas, they're born one color. And over the you know first several sheds, they yep. kind of turn red or they kind of turn orange. So I know with carpets, you know, you get a carpet and then you have no clue what it's going to look like. No idea what it's going to look like until a year later or longer. So I had someone ask me, because, so do any of the babies look like the dad? I was like, I don't know. I'll get back to you in a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's funny because you there's some you might think, oh, this one's going to be a screamer, and then it kind of just mellows out. And there's ones that you're like, oh, this one will be all right, and it comes out to be the best looking one. Yeah, that makes selling them a nightmare because I don't I don't want to sell one and then someone sent me a picture a year later and it looks freaking amazing. I'm like, oh, great, the one I kept looks like shit. That's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it'll happen. (laughs) Oh, I I have people doing that with last year's carpets too. So you've been keeping safe <laughs> for a long time, just and, and like you've been fairly under the radar because you keep, uh, you don't keep basic stuff. I mean, you keep the rainbows, and then I also got a uh, super black Russian samboa from you, which not a lot of people breed those. There's only a handful of people, and you were not on my list of people I knew keeping them until until uh, I got a picture on my phone, and I was like, "Ooh, I really want one of those." And then I was told someone else bought it, me, and I was lied to. It was me. We lied to you for. <laughs> A week, <laughs> two weeks, almost two weeks. Everybody knew about you. Yeah, Sean was in on it. That was pretty funny. Yeah, y'all can all suck. John it. Grant was in on it. Yeah, y'all can still all suck it. Yeah. So I, um, <laughs> I was, I don't know. 
I guess I would say I was more active at one point. Um, it's different though, because in the interim that I kind of backed off a little bit, that's when Facebook really took off. And then I honestly, it was weird. So, so let's see, I got those rainbows. And then after that, I had, um, I think I added Doomerals next. And that's the only thing I think I've ever gotten that I really don't keep anymore. I, um, I bred those. I think I had four litters out of two pairs, but I don't, I wasn't real successful with them. I would usually get about 50% slugs and stillborns. And um, I don't know if I was just doing something wrong or I just didn't feel like they were really a good snake. Well, they're also but, a tri- um, they're a tricky one to breed. One, their gestation period is just fucking forever. Yeah. I mean, I thought rainbows and, you know, were bad. I was young, and part of it is, you know, maybe if I tried again, I mean, I don't want to pay today's prices. I know. But if I tried again, you know, it might be different. I think I do have a little bit of different understanding about how to properly cycle it, the animals where before it was just kind of like put them together and see what happens, you know? Yeah. That's why I but, like uh, Colombian boas. You just put them together and see what happens and you're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there were some shows that were out here. They were doing, they were single day shows, but there were four times a year. And I got, well, I was real consistent with those, um, all in Denver. And I was really enjoying that. And I was, um, you know, I, I was at the same spot having a good time. And, um, I was at that point, active on the king snake forums um mostly the rainbow boa forum i just it was a there was a different camaraderie on that particular forum i felt that i fit into better than with some of the other ones maybe yeah i used to be but, on there a lot and i enjoyed it a lot did you say you were on the rainbow one yeah all right so yeah i was just milo on there like a shortened version of my last name and that, and that seems so like you might was, have seen some of my pictures and stuff back then well that seems like it was forever ago it was, yeah. The hobby is so um, different from those days. And it, what gets me with that is everybody's always like, I want to go back to the forum days. I'm like, yes and no. I mean, it was great, but Facebook does make it a lot easier just to go search for stuff. It does, and it doesn't. I mean, the thing I did like about the forums is there was a definite thread to conversation. Yes. And it felt more like a conversation where I feel like with Facebook, it's like, you, oh, i got to get this out here now or it's going to disappear. It's going to be so far down. Nobody's going to see it. and um I don't know. I guess I like the fact that with the forums, I could check it out once every two or three days and I could catch up to where I was and I didn't feel like, I don't know. It's, it's just a different feeling for me. So, so I was, um, I really kind of backed off a little bit when I started having, when we started having kids. So my wife and I have uh, three boys now. And the year that my, my, my older two sons are uh, only 16 months apart. So as you can imagine, having that second baby that close became a real challenge at home. And I think like that particular year, I had uh, like five or six different species born and like rainbows in particular, I had over a hundred and it just, I got so overwhelmed. And so I kind of just backed off and I'd stopped doing the forums. I stopped doing the shows. I stopped breeding for the most part. I would, I decided I was going to do like, like one thing, like this year I'll do rosy boas and then next year I'll do ball pipe. And then I had, so I was kind of backing off a little bit. And then that's when I decided like, I want to kind of get back into this more. The boys are getting a little older and that's when like everything was different. Like I went to King snake and it's like, wow, this nobody's posted on this forum in a month. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. It's just really weird. And so, um, that's part of why I'm not, you know, <clears throat> I guess you say under the radar. That's part of why I also work like 60, 70 hours a week. So it makes it real hard to stay on top of stuff for me in terms of, um, responding to people and taking new pictures. Cause a lot of my time at home is spent either with the kids doing house stuff or just, cleaning in the snake room because obviously that's going to take precedence over um you know taking new photos and things like i still have 
I have babies from 2019 that I've never taken pictures of other than uh, like the day they were born, you know? Wow. So, and yeah. I mean, I've shown some of them from that. Litter. So I have, I saved an entire litter of, uh, um, it's a long, it's a long project I've been working on, but the outcome was I got a sharp strain albino, uh, sun leopard. Ooh, that's nice. And so I've taken more pictures of the albino, the sharp albino leopard and the sharp sun leopard from it. In fact, they were on uh, the reptile report at one point. That was pretty cool. I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> but like the rest of the babies, like I don't think I've ever taken a picture of the hypos and they're looking awesome. And we've got a couple of leopards out of it that just hang out here with me. <laughs> so you talked about taking that kind of that break in between and coming back. So you, it was kind of a dramatic change for you in the hobby when you came back, I'm sure. Especially, so we talk about rainbows. I know that for the longest time, a rainbow bow was $125. Everywhere. That was the price for like rainbow bows. And then now you look at rainbow bow prices and they're selling for five and six hundred dollars on morph market. Did that's that's gotta like blow your mind at some point that those things just jumped up that high. Because it's not like it's a, it's a super difficult snake to breed. You know? It um it shocked me to put it mildly. <laughs> I went to the Pueblo show expecting I was gonna price things what I used to price them at when I was making eighty to hundred babies a year. I'd sell some at the shows. Um, believe it or not, I was wholesaling the pet stores at that time for like 50 bucks sometimes if I just needed to unload some. And, um, so I was pretty blown away at the prices they're commanding. And I mean, I, I, truthfully, I think they should. I think that they got too low. They're, um, they're a beautiful snake. Oh, yeah. Um, I also feel that having a little bit higher price tag on it, you know, hopefully will make people do that research up front a little bit more about how to take care of something that has, I'm not going to call them a hard snake at all, but they have different needs. And um, part of what burned me out was I would, I'd sell them to people at these shows and I would give them a care sheet and I, you know, I'd, I'd talk to them about the requirements, but a lot of these people would hear the boa in the name. And the next thing I know, I'd get a call. It's not doing well. And they got it on Aspen bedding at a hot spot of 95. And it's like, uh, you're just cooking it. You're drying it out and cooking it. Yep. That's you also hear people hear they'll say hear boa and they go oh it gets huge I'm like no they go hobbies get I mean it can get six feet that's huge I'm like yeah but it's not a six foot boa like it's they that have I saw that today on Facebook somebody was asking about um, they wanted a snake that stayed under six foot oh like and uh, somebody said rainbow boa and someone else commented boas are huge same thing back and forth no they get six foot and, yeah <laughs> it's a small six foot yeah. They're not. Yeah, a, like, they're not like a heavy six foot. Yeah, I mean, it's I not got male uh, like actual boas, like um, like not talking rainbow boas, but I got males that'll breed it like three and a half feet. Oh yeah, you know, like my leopard stuff in particular stays real small. Well, and then all my keep all my males small because small males like to breed. Fat males are that's true. Sit in the corner and just stare at the female and wonder what the hell she wants. Yep, yep. give me another rat. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, you know, I, I, I'm good if my males can live in probably a, I don't know, this is going to upset people, but a, like a 70 size tub that, that'll house my males pretty well. And I said tub, not cage. So I know some people are going to have an aneurysm out there, but they'll get over it. So I just, it's, well, you talked about doom rolls earlier. They were like $125. And now I I also looked up one the other night because Travis Wyman sent me a female. And I was like, you know what? I need a male. And it's eight hundred dollars. Not unbelievable. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that people can get that kind of money, and they're a great snake, and and that means that they're not getting. But I want one. 
<laughs> I don't have eight hundred dollars. So that's well, you'll what, find somebody that wants to trade for rainbows. Shall we set? That's what that's what I need. <laughs> he already tried. <laughs> that's I need somebody willing to trade for a rainbow for a doom rolls. Uh, but aren't those? I mean, aren't doom rolls such a cool boa? You God. think about how far away from other boas they evolve, how far separated they are in time, and they look so similar. They're well, and it's so. Because on, on Madagascar, Madagascar, you have them, and then you have the Madagascan ground bow, which is very similar. And I, and I can definitely see where someone who doesn't know the difference, and I, I have a hard time sometimes telling the difference. If you look at them side by side, they're very similar. And then you also have the uh, Madagascan tree boa. So it's just it's weird, that little island surrounded in python country. I mean, you got pythons in Africa, pythons in, in Indonesia, pythons in Australia. And one little island's like, you know what? Let's have boas. <laughs> and then yeah. And then it's like, let's have boas. With the best camouflage of any boa. Yeah. <laughs> By far. I mean, you put those guys down in some leaf litter and you cannot see a Doomerals. So. Yeah, it's almost like a Gaboon Viper, the way their patterning works in the, in the <laughs> leaf litter. It's that's pretty amazing. That's what Robert exactly said. Exactly what I said today when he he said those same words about the patterning. I said they're like a non-venomous Gaboon uh, Viper. I just, I love them. And I, and I just, I had a bad experience 15, 16, 17, how many years ago it was, I had one that didn't eat and one that bit all the time. And I was like, screw it. I'll get rid of them. And then I was, I was like, I'm going to get more later. I'm going to get more later. And then later came and they were $800. I was like, shit, I've waited too long. <laughs> but so you like, but I feel like that's a lot of snakes in general right now. Yes. It's, the market is up a lot well, for a lot of things. I've said that the problem, what happened was everybody got into ball pythons. And then a lot of folks went, well, these are fucking boring. No offense to people that breed ball pythons, of course. But uh, <laughs> they got tired of it. Everybody's gotten, I say everybody, a lot of people have gotten tired of ball pythons and they want to go to something else. And now they're seeing all these species that other people like myself and like you that we've had for decades. But now they're seeing them as new. And they go, I want that. And so that drove the price up, which is great. If you And it's like, look, I'm not going to lie. I'm super happy that I'm not going to be selling these rainbow boas for $125. Uh, but... There's female doobrolls for six seventy five. That's still a lot, man. That's so much money. That's the other problem is it's got to be a pretty doobrolls. I'm very picky because as much as I love doobrolls bows, there are some that are not as pretty, and the pinks that you can get on some of those doobroll bows are amazing. Yeah, this one that's got a lot of pinks is seventeen hundred dollars. <laughs> Fuck that! <laughs> wow, that, that well, and it's di- worth the wait because that'll translate into the babies you make down the line. A hundred percent. And so that's why I'm, I don't want to, because the one that Travis. Oh, that's actually for a pair. That's not bad for a pair. Yeah, that's a pair of two-year-olds. Because the one Travis sent me is beautiful. And so I don't want to waste it on buying a cheap mail and going, look, I made Doom Rolls, but they look like crap. Because that's another thing where people get, especially when with some of these snakes that have the higher prices, you know, so like rainbow boas. It's very easy to get. A not not pretty rainbow. I don't I don't want to say ugly because I love them, but there are some ugly ass rainbow boas out there. I've seen them, and but people will get them and breed them. And go all right, I can charge five hundred dollars. Well, you can charge it all you want, but it's not a five hundred dollars snake. I'm like, yep, it's got to at least look good. So that's well with the uh, with the Russian samboas. So everyone sees that picture of a black Russian sambo and they go, I want a Russian sambo, and you're like, that's that's not exactly what a Russian sambo looks like. Not at all. all right, so, there's a lot, so here's a, here's a question. a lot of brown on them. And- yeah. What's your question, Corey? No, so here's a question. Uh, 
how much is too much to spend on a snake, James and Robert? <laughs> Whatever. In the that is different for every person. But the person that just moved <laughs> to Texas and hasn't really received a paycheck from their new job yet, uh, more than $10 right now is too much for me to spend on a snake. So, but I, I, the other, I see people spending way too much on snakes all the time, though, especially with those uh, checks that came in this past year. Uh, you, you talk to some of the bigger breeders, and they had lots of $1,400 snake sales. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they spent every dime of that check on a snake. And I'm like, you could have paid a bill. You could have paid off a credit card. Yep. You could have done some shit with that. But I appreciate you for buying rack. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that's, I don't really have an answer to that because as long as I have the money, if I think the snake's worth it, if, I mean, yeah. if I had the money to buy a Bowens Python, I would. Well, see, that's, that's the but, thing. It's, it's got, you got to have the money. Right. And it's got to be worth it to you. Correct. Uh, but you see people all the time spending money that they don't have. And then in a year, like, I got to sell my entire collection. Well, you wouldn't have to sell your entire collection had you bought a few and then paid off some bills. And, and now, and you I'm know, not- honestly, that kind of stuff hurts all of us. Because now somebody goes, well, I saw this listed for that price. And other people start dropping their price to the guy that was just trying to dump stuff. And it's. Yes. It's a weird market. I don't think a lot of people have business sense or really think about the value of the, of the worth of the animal. It's <laughs> very true. Get rid of stuff, you it, know? It's a very weird market because we're putting an imaginary number on an animal. Like, all the prices are bad. So, Katie always gets mad at me because we didn't buy her a uh, Mexican Black King snake when it was $40 for forever. And now they're like $200. So, in my brain, though, I go, well, I can't spend $200 on a Mexican Black King snake. They were $40, but I'll go spend like $600 on a Samboa. Yeah. And they'll never be yep. $40 again. And yeah, ever. So the, the market is, it's a weird market that we're in when it comes to that kind of stuff. So how it much is. are you willing to spend? Yeah. All right. Corey doesn't count. You can't ask Corey how much she's willing to spend on snakes. I can tell you, I can tell you it's not $10,000. It is not $10,000. It is short of $10,000. It is short, it is short of a Boland's Python. It is short of a Bolens, and it was not eight thousand dollars either. So it is it is shy of, of those numbers. I will, I will tell you what Corey is willing to spend on a snake, and what James is willing to spend on the snake are not in the same neighborhood. <laughs> Your threshold is lower, huh? Yeah. That's, uh, again, that comes down to if you can afford it, well, and how much you want it. Jason, what you don't know is that we were at a show, and James comes over, and he's like, "Man, Jim over there at Split Rock's got some blackheads and." I don't think anybody at a show will buy those. I didn't say anybody wouldn't buy them. I said I could. I said they're amazing. And the next thing you know, Corey's like, I got blackhead. I, well, no, I joked with Corey and I said, hey, Corey, you should go get that blackhead. And then like 30 minutes later, like, she yeah, walks by my table. She goes, oh, there's blackheads here? She walks by my table 30 minutes later and she's, and she's like, I got it. And I was like, of course you fucking did. <laughs> like you smooth your lose, right? I mean, I couldn't afford them. But they they were amazing. Yeah, Jim puts everything. Jim puts out. They're incredible. I, I've got yeah, a, I got all the ultra mills. Oh, those his ultra mill. I mean, I know Robbie. I don't know if Robbie's still in the chat. Mm-hmm. Robbie bought one. A pair of heads from him. A pair of heads from him, and then Jack and Heidi bought. I think all the rest. Everything. everything <laughs> all yeah, the visuals. They bought, he had. they bought all the visuals. Yeah. I've, I have my speckled king snake is from him, and that that speckled king snake is the prettiest one I've ever seen. It is gorgeous. It's got yeah. solid yellow belly. Nose. It's all. But that, that's a case of someone went and they got the right animal and they took yep. the time to breed the right animal to get what they wanted. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I think for me, one of the things that's always held me dairy. back with the real high 
dollar stuff is, um, I mean, anybody who's kept snakes for a long time knows that sometimes you just lose something. Everything can be perfect and you just have a snake up and die yep. for no discernible reason. And, you know, a, a real high price tag, that's, that's like a shot to the heart, you know? <laughs> right. Well, I always tell, you know, I grew up on a farm. So I always tell people it's like farming. You know, I, we, when I was on a farm, we would buy very expensive cattle, sometimes show cattle and stuff. And something happens, they fall and break a leg or they just die. And you, you never know. So you're making that investment into something that literally, like you said, could just die tomorrow and you, <laughs> you're just out. So people, yep. I don't think a lot of people take that into consideration. I, I think that's really valid. And that's one of the things, one of the few things that puts brakes on for me is, is realizing this is a living thing and living things can die. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've got yep. to, you've got to take that into account when you're, when you're making purchases. So the most I've ever spent, I spent $4,500 on a pair of ball pythons, uh, which did that hurt? So it's a payment plan. Um, and, you know, but thinking about that now, like, man, we've had them for six, seven months, whatever it is. And if they die, that's, well, you know, I think the male, mm -hmm. the female was 30 for 3000 and the male was 1500 or vice versa. Um, cause the male's the visual. I don't remember. Anyway. Uh, yeah, you just pay for them. Yeah. 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 It's not your uh, job to keep up with what they are. So, uh, man, if those die, that's, you know. And I, and I know someone listening right now is going, well, the, they just see them as price tags. And it's 100% not true. But at some point, it, you, it, it is a – I don't say it's a business because it's not a business for me. I'm, I'm, I do it for fun. But I expect somewhat of a return, not only because I'm like I want to make tons of money. If I wanted to make tons of money, I would not be doing sand boas. But I want to be able to pay for my frozen rodents next year. I want to be able to buy a new snake. I want to be able to – you know, there's things I want to be able to do. Mm. And also, like – my male rainbow boa died. He cost me $125 almost 20 years ago. Okay. That obviously was not a lot of money. There's a lot of emotional attachment to these animals as well. Absolutely. Some of them just so have emotional. history there. I mean, that's, yeah. that's big. And some of these just have emotional attachment and a large, large dollar sign attached to them. That's just how it is as well. I know for Corey, I know Corey, and I, it's a wound, but I know losing. Yep. I know losing that snake was a huge deal to you. And that, and that it really was a hurt. huge deal. I was, yeah. And that's it not, was a big deal. and that's not a dollar sign issue. That, and I know, no. and a lot of that for people when an animal dies, they take it uh, very hard on themselves. What did I do wrong? Yes. And unfortunately, it's unfortunately, I guess how you look at it, it's not always your fault. I mean, a lot of these things we don't know why they die because we don't take them with the vet and we don't get them checked afterwards and get a necropsy. But things like cancer happen, things like uh, heart failure. I mean, all these things that can happen in a person can happen in the snake. It happens yes. to them too. You know, it could have a stroke. I mean, any of that stuff. And you have no control over that. Now, if it dies because you didn't give it the proper temperature or because you kept it on horrible bedding and it got dried out or whatever. Yeah, that's obviously your fault. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, sometimes shit just dies yep. and it's, it's a hard part of this. Well, so for me, obviously, it is a business. Yeah. Also, I keep snakes because I love them. But, you know, because my entire business revolves around reptiles. Every, every hole in that rack needs to make a certain amount of money a year Yeah, in order to be, for me to, for it to be worth being there. It has to at least recoup the cost that it, that it makes. Now that's not realistic in your grow out racks because you're three to four years before that makes anything back. 
Um, and I've had a couple of snakes die that were like a couple of my favorites that, that, you know, we handled a lot. And then of course you have some that are just assholes no matter what. And, uh, but even if they die, you know, you're, I had a female die after she laid eggs. Um, she laid eggs and never would start eating again. You know, we tried, I've talked about it on the podcast a couple of times. We tried everything you could think of to get her to eat and she just would not eat. And, uh, you know, she was a cheap snake. She was one of the first ones we bought. I think I paid 40 bucks for her. But, man, it it was terrible. I was out of town. Um, Rachel called me and told me that she had died. And, uh, man, it was like losing losing any one of our pets. It sucked. Yeah. But, um, I hate when people are afraid to talk about it like it's a business. I agree. Yeah. It, it can be something that is your passion and you love and enjoy. And it can also be something that, you know, you want to make some money at. Like, these two things don't necessarily They're not mutually exclusive. Be, right. right. Yeah. Right. We always tell people, find the thing that's your passion and turn it into your living and you never go to work a day in your life. Yeah. So why are people scared to talk about their reptiles like it's a business? Yeah. It happens a lot with animals. I guess something we see a lot in the reptile business. I don't know if it ha- – I'm sure it happens in, in others, but it does happen a lot. Someone starts to make a lot of money off of off reptiles and they go, well, they're just in it for the money. Well, well, no. Now, don't get me wrong. We have all seen people that have mm-hmm. gotten into this hobby that it was purely because they walked into a reptile show and saw a ball python selling for $15,000 and said, I'm going to go make money. Okay, And they were not a snake person. They just wanted to go make money. Those people don't tend to last long enough because they don't want to clean shit. They don't right. want to have to thaw out rats or feed. They don't, they don't want to do the stuff that takes to take care of animals. But a lot of the, the people that are successful are reptile people. Who also want to make money off the reptiles. Right. Well, and that's the key. I mean, like Robert was saying, you know, he does this. I mean, he, his business involves reptile stuff. But if he didn't love reptiles, he'd be going to a job he hates every day. Yep. And yeah. you're not. I mean, that's not sustainable. No. You know? No, I did it for 20 something years. It's just, it's not. I mean, if you work with live animals, I mean, you talk about growing up on a farm, and I'm sure your family loved the animals that they worked with. It's, it's part of, their livelihood, but they wouldn't have got up. I mean, I know farmers get up at the crack of dawn. They're not doing that if they don't enjoy it. Absolutely. We, you know, we would always have, um, at any given time, we would have two steers in a feed out lot, like, you know, about an acre. And we would also have a couple of pigs in a feed out area. But one of those steers was named hamburger. And one of those pigs was named pork chop. And (laughs) because that, that was what they were for. That's you know, easy. that's what we raised them from the minute they were born, knowing that when they got to the right size, they were going in the freezer. But with that doesn't mean you treat them any less right. than you would 100%. a pet level. Like that's-, that's like when people – so one of my biggest pet peeves is in a couple of the breeder feeder breeder groups, people are like, oh, just th- thump the rat on the head or throw it in with dry ice to euthanize it. And I'm like – or – who cares if the rats, you know, gets hurt? It's just a feeder. And I'm like, it's still a living, breathing animal. I treat exactly. my feeders the same way I f- treat my snakes. Um, I can't say anything. I've thumped a lot of mice on the head. I, I just. But I do I that. I've done it, yes. But I do that with the full understanding that I'm. That to me, it's the fastest way to kill it. I don't do it. There's a lot of people that. I feel when you watch a lot of these videos, and I don't think they're as much as now, but. You used to see a lot of feeding videos. And all those feeding videos definitely came off very much of, I enjoy watching this mouse or rat get killed. Right. 
and that is not what I enjoy, or else I would feed a bunch of livestock. And I'm saying about it feeds live is doing right. that, but there are people that I mean, I feed live, yeah, but, but you're not snakes. doing it for joy. Dude, That's, I hate like <laughs> I drop the rat in and close the tub, yeah, and listen for the thump and go, okay. I, there's been times that I've had to, you know, leave the tub open for some reason, and the little rat's like wrapped up in the snake and it's just staring at me, and I'm like, I can't fucking do this. Uh, I, I, when I was in my twenties, I'd have been like, "Oh, look, the rat's eyes are bulging out." But now, now I think I'm getting soft as I get older. Oh, I said it before. I uh, I used to get rabbits for free from a friend, and I fed them to my my bigger boas. And they normally bring me like two rabbits at a time. And I and I what I did is I kept. I was never good at the dislocating the neck thing. Mm-hmm. I tried it once. I heard the lunch crunching, and then the rabbit screamed and cried. And I was like, I can't do this shit. So I always kept that a big, is the worst noise. Oh my god, it's fucking horrible. But so I kept a big stick and I would hit it right behind the head and it was done. Mm-hmm. It was dead immediately. Well, they brought me like eight rabbits one time and I got through four of them and I'm like, I'm fucking done. I'll live it. The other four are staring at me. I'm like, I found out that four is the number I can get to before I feel like a monster. Aww. So my, I, growing up, I raised rabbits for show. So you would show two pins of three, but I would produce 150 to 200. Yeah, and they're rabbits meat rabbits. Those are two. Get those six really good rabbits to show. Well, the rest of them get butchered. And I had no problem when I was young. You hold them up by the back feet. You basically karate chop them in the back of the head. And then you butcher them from there on out. And um, I don't think at 41 years old that I could hit a rabbit in the head with my bare hand (laughs) and butcher it like I did at 17. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't know. It's right. Well, uh, we had someone ask, how do you guys go about euthanizing snakes? Uh, how should I? I'm sure I should go the expensive way and get and have the doctor give it a shot. And I, but that I don't. I've I've done the put it in the freezer. And it, and I, it can be as horrible as you want, but I put it in the freezer and it and it goes to sleep, however you want to say it, but it dies. So I don't, I don't know how y'all do it. You can. I usually do. I do blunt force trauma to the head. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the best way because I just there's some snakes that I can't do that to. Um, it I had sucks. A, I hate it every time. But yeah. well, I had a hog yeah. island that I had had forever, and then at, I talked about before I lost all my boas. I got sick. And this is the one that made it through, and then finally it's just like, look, it wasn't doing so well, and I had to put it down. But I knew in my head that's the fastest thing that I could just take it outside, and I could have chopped the head off and been it would have been dead in no time. But I can't physically bring myself to do it was the problem. So I could put it in the pillowcase and put it in the freezer and walk away. And that's what I did. I um, can't even do that with pinky mice. Like they tell you with pinky <laughs> mice that you can put them in the freezer. And I do it with pinky mice. I, I did it. Yeah. I got a bunch of pinkies from Otis at the end of a show a while back. And I brought it home and I put them in a bag. You feel like a monster. And it was like 200 of them. And I'm like, I'm gonna f- I don't know if I can yeah. sleep tonight. I put them in the freezer so- and I'm like, but it was like maybe a minute later I checked and they were already dead. So... It was quick. So there's a question about will CO2 work in a snake? And no, it won't. It's, I mean, it, they, it, it theoretically could, ha- could have it die eventually. But the problem is their respiratory rate is so much slower than a mammal's. And that thing is going to suffer and it's going to be a long, prolonged, awful death. So yeah. I would not recommend that. Yeah. Are you talking about for gassing it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Someone asked if CO2 would work for a snake. Yeah, it's definitely not like the rodents. No. no. I um, I tried that one time, and I honestly think the freezer method's better if you have yeah. to do it. Because I felt like I was torturing it when I, I realized that it was still attempting to breathe in there. So I can just imagine it writhing around trying I, to breathe. I have a failure to thrive normal ball python right now that um, 
we had a bunch of babies born right before the freeze and we had them on like their second meals. And then with the freeze, we had to move all of our animals. Everybody's heard this and it just threw everything off. You know, we're what five months later and we're still struggling to get some of these to eat regularly. Like I've got babies that are yeah. seven months old that we're not selling because they were eating before the freeze. They were eating before the freeze oh, wow. that we're still, well, this one just would not. Well, last week, Rachel came down all excited. She said it ate. I'm like, okay, I think that meal's probably going to kill that snake. It was my thought because it's so yeah. small. Well, I checked yesterday or Brittany, actually, uh, my daughter's girlfriend was, was watering them yesterday and she said it regurged. So oh, I'm going to have to euthanize it and feed it to a king snake tomorrow. Uh, Rachel wanted, I fed all the colubrids yesterday and then she's like, well, why don't you go ahead and take care of that, um, that snake and feed it to one of the king snakes. And I'm like, fuck, I literally just finished feeding them. <laughs> um, so let's give it, you know, great thing about a colubrid is two days later. So I'll feed it off tomorrow. Um, but same thing, I'll more than likely take it outside and, but you also you have for for rats you have a gas chamber an actual CO two canister and you fill it with gas yeah. and all that stuff yeah with a with a, um, a flow regulator. meter yeah yeah regulator mm-hmm. and everything see the freaking regulator is fifty bucks I don't understand yep why people don't when I got my rainbow boa back in two thousand three and it was just one snake and I had what well, I we ended up building a euthanizing chamber euthanization chamber but it was baking soda and vinegar yeah so you take two uh like uh. Rubbermaid tubs, Rubbermaid containers, connect them with PVC pipe in the middle, and the bottom one you put uh, baking soda and vinegar in, and it pushes up all the CO2 and pushes the oxygen out of the top one, and it ends up killing it. So it's a science experiment while also killing out. But the problem is, is you don't know how much CO2 yeah. you're giving them. And, and you can't control the flow rate. No. You can't control the flow no, rate. No, I know. So they go from breathing one second to gasping for breath the next. Yes, I know. I, I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, at the time, again, I was younger. Right. I yeah. I was fine with that. I wasn't fine. I'm not trying to torture it, but I was fine with, okay, it's dying. We're good. But yeah, now it'd be like, man, that'd be rough to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have to just oh, leave even the room. Now I put them in the, I put them in the tub. I turn the gas on. I make sure the flow's good. And I go back inside. Yeah. It's in the garage. And then I come back out five minutes later, five to 10 minutes later, take them out and then go feed them off. Um, because for some I of them, I do them in a bucket so I don't have to see them. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to switch to a That's black. A good way to do it. I'm going to switch to a black tub. Yeah, a black tote. Yeah, I'm just going to keep ordering my frozen and let somebody else deal with it. So this is the first time um, I've ever ordered frozen rodents. Is it really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I've never. I'm, I've always um, just frozen my own. But um, I've got so many. We've got so many colubrids now. Yep. That, um, James needed to order rodents. So I said, well, shit, let me, let's order them together and save on the shipping. So, cause I was like, I just need like a hundred of this and 50 of this. And I was like, it took up like 17% of the box. So shipping right. was the same no matter what. So, um, James filled the box the rest of the way yeah. up and yeah, uh, rats will do that. Yeah. You know what? We never did get to play with the drys. No, that was Rachel unpacked them and we were going to go play with it that night and we didn't do it. I always love putting it in the sink and then filling the <laughs> with sink the with ice? water. I make yeah. dry ice bombs with the kids. <laughs> yep. Oh, we, how fun. So we did that once in college and uh, we threw it outside and it wasn't blown off, wasn't blown off. And all of a sudden we saw a cop car like going right past where it was. Boom. Well, luckily the cop got past it because like uh, 30 seconds later it did explode. But we were inside. We had the door shut and we heard a giant boom. We're like, we're not going out there. Nope. Just stay in here. <laughs> Run out and go, what's going on? <laughs> But yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's get away from the death talk. Yeah. All right. Talk now. <laughs> uh, so Jason, what Samboas do you keep? 
Uh, so primarily just the Russians. Um, I do have a couple of other ones, but I haven't ever attempted to breed them or anything yet. I have some uh, like striped snow and albino stuff. Um, but really just the Russians. I guess I got those. I'm trying to remember, in 06, I believe, is when I added oh, some wow. of those. I got two pairs. And it's kind of funny because there was a lot of talk about how hard and difficult they were to breed, breed at that time. And I didn't really um, understand or, I guess, really know any of that. I didn't know anything about Sambo's in general. And I, I kept them with my rosies and I treated them like my rosy boas. And so those, I just, I cooled them with my rosies. I kept them, I think I bumped their temperatures up a little bit just because I knew they're from a, a warmer summertime area. And I had my first attempt at breeding. I got uh, two litters out of the two pairs. I was really pretty stoked about it, but I didn't realize till afterwards that they're supposed to be a lot more difficult. I know a lot of people put them in the freezer like they do with, uh, sorry, not free. We were talking about freezer. The really, cooler. Uh, in the refrigerator, yeah. like they do with rubber boas. Yep. Now I will put, so the, the, the black Russians, um, a lot of times the babies won't eat right off the bat. And I do brumate those with my baby rubber boas. So, but I really feel that I don't need to get my, my adults quite that cold. Jason, it sounds like your collection is my collection. <laughs> Keep naming things yeah. I have. Uh, well, the Black Russians, I think most people's problem with the Black Russians was when they started keeping them, they kept them like Kenyans. Because for most of the year, you can keep it like a Kenyan. But the problem is, where it comes from, they get cold. Which is just unnatural for someone who has kept a snake at 95 degrees throughout the year. Yep. Uh, which I've talked about here before with the rubber boas. Putting rubber boas inside of a fridge is the scariest thing I've ever done with any of my snakes in my entire life. So was this your first year doing it last year? Yes. It was horrifying. The entire time, I was afraid they were going to freeze it. But every time I'd go in there, they're just cruising around like they don't give a shit. Like, there's ice. So the ice. first year, I, uh, the, I had a hard time. I guess my I bought an adult pair. And I did okay with those. But I was thinking, like, oh, the babies aren't going to be as tolerant. So. I got my my first um, litter of those in 2003, and so I put them in my uh, my beer fridge, and I cranked it down to, I want to say it was like mid-40s or something to start, and they actually pushed the lid of the tub off and got out, and I found, I mean, I found all of them, there was four of them, I found them all, but they were like loose in my living room, <laughs> and so that's when I realized, I, you got to get those pretty cold to get them to stop moving. And it's just, it doesn't see, I mean, it's got boa in the name, so it's like, this should not be right, you it, know? But they really, they do better if you get them that cold. James was if a you nervous wreck. If too hot, they're going to lose weight over the winter, and then they're going to really struggle in the spring. Well, it's, I've got to get Robert to help me build a rack just for my rubber boas, because right now they're taking up an entire baby rack that I can't use for anything else. Because, and we'll talk about it later, because we had a question that you asked, and we'll talk about it. But they're the only thing in my collection that pretty much doesn't get heat. They're in a rack of, set at like 80. And I have nothing else in that rack because everything else I, I like to give a little more heat to. Uh, but It's okay, Katie. You weren't the only one. Oh, uh, yeah. Katie posted. messaging me. I have snakes in a cooler. <laughs> Covered in a block of ice. And yeah. they're just like, yeah, it's cool. That's Literally. like, I'm horrified with, with the, uh, the Russian Sambo that I have. And at some point, I'm going to get a female. And at some point, I'm going to breed them. And I'm going to have to put a not cheap snake inside of a refrigerator. And that just sounds stupid. None of that sounds <laughs> right. Probably you're going to kill it, yeah. Because especially, I'm, and it's so much, like I said, it's so much weirder with the Russian samples because I'm going to keep that thing at 90, 95 degrees hotspot for most of the year. And then at some point, I'm going to go, hey, 
here's 40 degrees. Enjoy this. Yeah, because they need those extremes, though. And, you know, it's interesting because I know a lot of people, like um, Colubrids, for example, a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to breed. I'm not going to cool it, right? Um, I know people say that with rosy boas, but I really think that we're hurting the longevity of the snake by not giving it what it experiences and needs in the wild. I mean, they've they've spent a lot of time gearing up and adapting to these to what it needs, you know, and I think we should be doing it. You know, I've never brumated my rosy boas. I've got I've got a pair of Mexican rosy boas, and I've never done it, which may be the reason she only ever gives me like two babies at a time, and one only ever survives. Uh, I think I'm gonna I, I need to brumate now. I know I'm not gonna put them in a in a cooler and get them down to like 40 degrees like a rubber boa, but I may go ahead and take them, put them in a tub, and put them off in a closet somewhere off heat for two months, and try that with them and see if I get a better rate of survival out of the babies than I have. Um, yeah, but it's just it's. It just, it's very unnatural for, to do that when you have, you know, when I have rainbow boas and I have boa constrictors and I have sand boas and, and you're always so paranoid about, all right, we got to have a hot spot. But then again, you have colubrid guys who put them in a closet and never put heat on them and corn snakes thrive in that stuff. So it's. Yeah. But, and you know, a lot of these guys that keep uh, rosies in California, they'll put them like out in the garage for the winter time. And cause they are getting those natural, you know, mid fifties, low, you know, to low sixties type of swings that they need um a few years ago i don't know when this was probably seven eight years ago i i took a pair um i've got quite a few rosies and i i took a pair from two different litters but i had siblings right so i had uh like two males and i saved two females and i cooled one of those pairs and i never cooled the other ones i just fed them all winter long until they were ready to breed so one i cycled and one i didn't and i actually got viable offspring from both of them and I thought I was really on to something. And, and I was, you know, I remember telling people like, see, you don't need to cool rosy boas. You can breed them without cooling them and they do just fine. What was really interesting to me though, is that female that had been cooled her whole life, she was ready to breed again the next uh, season. And that female that had stayed up her whole life and been fed over the winter, um, she was way too skinny. And I think that there's something um, about them that when they, when they have that cool down and that, that fasting period, their body starts converting a lot of those fat reserves into muscle. And like we know with the big boas, you know, if you breed a big fat female, you'll get a good litter, but it's going to take three years to get another litter out of her because she doesn't have that muscle tone. Yeah. I think the same thing's happening when we cool these snakes is they need, I think they need that break. They need that fast. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that and see, and see how it does. I just, I've never, I don't know why I've just never thought to do it, but it, it makes sense. So we asked a question, and I talked to you about asking this question. What now? I got to use my computer for the first time in like an hour, and <laughs> something pops up on it. What? I don't even know what this is. It was. How, I can't even read. Oh, there it is. How do you handle having multiple species of reptiles from different climates all in the same room? And so we had a couple answers here, and I know you have, you struggle with that because we talked about. It. I mean, you've got a large variety of reptiles that definitely have different needs. Uh, so let's look at a couple of these. Uh, Angel Villalobos said, as a general rule, I try to keep species that have similar temperatures. The room is 78 degrees, which by the way, I can't, I, I couldn't work in a, a room that was 78 degrees. It would, I would hate it. Uh, but I, I, I never could do um, ambient temperature because I'm fat and I sweat. And if I'm miserable in my snake room, I know I'll never clean anything. But that's why I'm shirtless getting bit by rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, I keep short tails with a hot spot of 84 and cool is the ambient temperature. The king snakes have a hot spot of 88 and the cool is ambient. 
Uh, the geckos are ambient except for tokes and leos who have their own hot spots. She says she wouldn't keep anything that can't thrive at the ambient temps in the room. Mandarin rat snakes are out of the question for her. Um, I get that. I just, I've, that's not, well, I'll go into how I keep mine in a second. I'll, let me read through a couple of these. Uh, Lavissa, who we've had, we've talked to a lot, talked about a lot. She says each tank is climate controlled versus the room being climate controlled, which is how I do it. Uh, she has a very small collection. Uh, it's much easier. Her leprechaun thrives in the humidity in her home. Uh, offer. Now, that's another big issue because for you, Jason, humidity in your home is 100% different than the humidity in our homes down here. Because you actually have like a, a winner. I don't know what those are. Well, I've to take that back. This year we had a winner. And I'd like to forget that it ever <laughs> I was happened. Gonna say. That, 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 that winner didn't happen. But I know that you have struggled with humidity issues there just because y'all have to use your heaters for a large chunk of the year. Uh. But I was looking through the vistas. So she's, she's got heat on everything. Uh, Victor says he keeps colubrids and ball pythons in one rack system, which I've, I've got ball pythons and corn snakes in the same rack. And they're all, I think, a hot spot of like 86 or 88. And anything's like 86 on that rack. And they do fine. Um, but corn snakes are pretty bulletproof also. Once you get an adult corn snake, yeah. they can pretty much survive whatever. But what struggles do you have, Jason, with keeping such a wide variety of things with different uh, climates where they naturally come from. So um, the reason this, uh, I was really curious to see other people's answers on this one in particular was it's a, it's a newer problem for me. Um, I, I, when we moved into this house, we didn't have any kids. And so I had an unfinished basement that, you know, I had plans to finish. And then instead I kind of grew my reptile collection and so it was really easy for me to keep stuff separated. So I had, you know, all my larger boas on one side um, with the rainbow boas in the same room, but kind of on the bottom of all those uh, those stacks of cages and racks. And I had my um, my dryer animals kind of on the other side of the basement and just everything was isolated a little bit that just worked really well for me. And then um, a couple of years ago, I needed when we... Uh, well, it took me a long time, but when we started, uh, or when we had our third child, I realized I need to finish the basement now, get some extra bedrooms because I had all three boys in the same room for a while. So I, I finished the basement, which made me need to condense the space, I guess I was keeping for my reptiles. And, um, so now I do have all that, everything from, uh, you know, the rubber boas, the rosy boas, the sand boas, um, all the way up to the high humidity of the the rainbow bows are all in the same room. And um, so it has been challenging. And I think it has affected me a little bit these last years as I kind of get things settled um, and try to figure out how to make it work. Um, Like like I mentioned earlier, we're in a very dry climate. So I'm actually running two humidifiers in there. And what I did when I finished this basement, you know, I I made this uh, an actual bedroom in the, in case we ever sell the house, it needs to look like a bedroom. So it has a walk-in closet. So that closet, is what became my my rosy room, so to speak. So it's got the sand boas and all the rosy boas. And then in the summertime, the rubber boas are in it. And I move them, of course, in the wintertime out of there. And in the fall, put them like down in the living room. Um, but I actually ducked in. I ran some duct work into that closet with a, an inline fan so I can pump cold air from the garage into that particular closet and then completely wow. seal off the door during the winter so I can get that room um, you know, my goal was about 55 and, and I can get it pretty easily in the winter until about 60. 
but I think if I run that dust, I can get it lower. Um, but one of the things that I didn't expect is by having all this stuff together and everything in the summertime when I do have, you know, because the cages, everything has its own hot spot still. I don't really do just ambient. And my ambient temperature gets um, considerably higher than I was expecting. Like at, when I did this room, my original intention was to put in a tiled floor with a, a heating element in the tile. And I'm glad I didn't do it because it's, it gets awfully warm in there, you know, as it is. And so I've, I had another fan. So when I designed the room, I had run these ductworks, like I mentioned from the garage. And I ran one from the main room that goes out of the house. And from the outside, it just looks like a, a dryer vent. But I had another fan that's pushing the hot air out. And then that burned out recently. So I actually put in a, a better one that's made for um, like grow tents. So it's a higher CFM and it's got the carbon filter. So you aren't really. Well, you are in anything. Colorado. So you definitely have stuff for grow tents. What's that? I said you are in Colorado. You definitely have stuff for grow tents. I bought it all on Amazon. I don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, so you guys are going to laugh at this, but I've never been into a dispensary. I would go just to, to, to look. I'm a teacher, so I could not. And I have not. I've never been in never one either. That's because you're in Texas. Oh, you, even when you went to Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it's coming to Texas. I mean, it's funny because my um, my sisters have come, both of them have come from Texas and gone just to say they've been in one. I just didn't happen to be with them. And, you know, it's more the novelty because you're in Colorado. You know, you got to check it out, I guess. But um, so anyway, that's kind of what I've been doing to try to mitigate some of these issues. And I think part of it is like, you know, still it's just going to be a learning curve to like kind of figure out where everything needs to be. But, um, you know, like, uh, the heat of the summer, that room is probably during the day getting to about 82, oh, which is that. a little hotter than I want the ambient to be. Um, so that's why I'm trying this new fan and stuff to see if that helps cool it down. My other thought was, cause I am running the two humidifiers. I could get one of those single air conditioner units that runs off water. Yeah. And that would help the humidity, but also kind of keep the maybe lower the, the daytime temperatures a little bit. Oh, that's uh, so that one that closet is going to confuse the hell out of somebody whenever they do buy your house eventually. <laughs> they're going to what their closet. They're going to try to figure out why the hell ductwork was ran into a closet. So that's that's going to be interesting. So here's the thing: it's completely hidden. If I want it to be, you'd never know it was there. Oh, nice. Um, the the inline fan that pumps the air from the garage that's hidden in the stairs. And so you really can't even see it. There's a, like I made a cover on the one side. So I guess if you look on the side, you'll see the cover that has, I put a screen just because my fear was, like, could you imagine mice getting in that ductwork from the garage, getting <laughs> chopped up by the fan and then pumping oh. that smell down into the snake room? Oh God, that'd be horrible. I, uh... So, and I guess that's part of my other problem. I didn't mention that, but I also had to move my rat racks into the snake. So there, my snake room and rats are all together right now. Oh damn, that sucks. And I know a lot of people say that, oh, you can't do that because you'll end up getting these super aggressive snakes. Um, and it's, it's not been a problem at all for me. And I, even going back to when I was in, uh, in high school and living, um, you know, in my family's house, I had all my snakes and I was breeding mice at that time in my bedroom. Back then I was doing it in 10 gallon tanks and stuff, but I've never, never seen an issue with, with snakes being more aggressive because they can smell them. Yeah. I don't think that's a huge issue. I mean, look, a lot of us keep corn snakes in the same room as uh, king snakes in the same room as corn snakes, and our king snakes aren't overly aggressive. Yeah, and obviously they can smell food. Yeah, you know? well, that's a good point. Yeah, so that, I don't think, especially if they're well fed. I think, I think a 
a cage aggressive snake is a snake that one never gets handled and two is probably hungry. Those two things will cause it an aggressive snake. Now, don't get me wrong, baby rainbow boas are just aggressive in general. That's just how they are. They like to bite. But I I keep my room I keep the air vents open. Our house stays like 68 degrees because again, fat and I sweat. So our house stays at 68 degrees. I keep the vents open. But naturally, because every cage and every rack has its own heat source, the room itself does stay a little warmer. Um, but I usually deal with humidity issues and stuff like that with bedding. That's where I fix that. Like if I've got something that's a higher humidity animal, it's on to chip. That way I can add moisture to it and we're good. If I've got something like sand boas, which I don't need all that out, all the humidity, they're on Aspen because it's easy to keep that dry and clean it. Um, and then I just control the temperature. You know, I've got racks full of just Sambos or I've got a rack of ball pythons and corn snakes, which can be kept together pretty well. Um, but I could definitely see where some people have issues. We don't suffer from humidity issues. I've never had to add humidity to the room itself because, again, I've lived in the south and we've got plenty of humidity to hand out. So we're good. But I could see where living somewhere like Colorado or even you know Arizona or Mexico, that would definitely become an issue. Corey, do you have any issues with... Uh, yeah, so my issue is with my adult carpets. I have to temperature cycle them and I have to drop temps on them significantly lower than I want my ball python stuff to get. And so I keep them in separate rooms. Um, that's how I do it. So are you dro- you're I dropping... Have- well, I guess you have to drop ambient temperature the whole thing, so... Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is I have to get, I have to get night temps to like into like the, usually I take them down to like 67 or so. That's about the lowest they get in the winter. And I just can't take my main snake room down that low. How are you controlling that? You have a window unit or what are you doing? No, I just, um, I um, just have a, a room in the house that doesn't, that is a little bit draftier than some of the rooms. And um, it, that's just, as long as I don't keep the, heat pumping too much in the winter it'll that's about where it'll get down to so it works out i'm a lot more nervous about um my brittles pythons next year and getting them cool enough <laughs> see that falls into the same sure. those fall into the same category that that's the same category yeah. as the as the black russian samboas you know the not brittles, quite, like they don't need to get quite that cold no but but, like, but yeah. you're keeping a, a hot spot of what 88 90 degrees during the rest of the year yeah, I don't even usually go quite that high, but um, for for them, but yeah, like 80, 85, 86 usually for them, and then, but then you know, you I'll the, drop them quite a bit more in the in the winter. You get into what the fifties or low sixties? Yeah, yeah, 50s. I, I'll probably get into the high fifties if I if I can, but I don't think I can consistently do it in Texas. Like I yeah. don't think I we have enough days strung together where I can keep a window open and it's going to get that cold every night. Yeah, you'd have to buy a like a big cooler like. Uh, fridge type thing to do that. I yeah. Mean, I well, yeah. I haven't quite figured it out yet. You know, that's what people told me. He's like, just put your brettles outside in a box during the winter. I'm like, that's great. Except for when that winter day is 95 degrees. Yeah. Like, yeah. That night may have been 30 and then it's well, 95. I'm just going to have here. to hope that Australia occasionally has a hot winter day too. And they figure it out somehow. So. Corey, know. do you give them um, daytime heat when they get, is that just a nighttime do. temperature? Yes. Or they that's drop in that nighttime. cold. All the time. Yeah, no, that's that's just nighttime, so they come up to normal daytime temperatures in the winter. So, okay. um, yeah, so it's not quite a brumation. I've never yeah. kept a carpet python, so I wasn't sure because with the rosies and the rubber boas and stuff, you know, that's an that's an all the time cold thing. But yeah, I do um I do floor covering for a living, and I have my whole life, so I guess I always figured carpet pythons would be like bringing my work home with me. 
<laughs> yeah, but then I'm brumating my hog nose the first for the first time this winter too. So that'll be a whole new thing as well. I now are those going to get uh, daytime heat? No, those won't. Those will go in a wine fridge or something like that. Okay. So yeah. with my larger boas and the rainbows, I do a similar thing where I, I turn off their heat. It's not getting that cold, but I do turn off their heat completely at night. And so they are getting more of a wintertime cycle, but I am bringing them back up to yeah, about that normal temperatures during the day. So That makes sense. So when do you start your cycle there, Jason? When do I start it? Yeah. Um, I usually start it in uh, like November. Um, a friend of mine years ago taught me with the rosies in particular, like, uh, you know, you put them down on Thanksgiving and you wake them up on uh, Valentine's and then you breed them um, starting on April Fool's, like an easy way to remember. Gotcha. One thing that is kind of interesting is our, our seasons seem to be shifting here in Colorado and it is pushing my, the reptiles are, are feeling that definitely. Um, Cause I like, even though, so even if I put say the rosy bows together on April Fool's day, like I always have a lot of times they won't even start breeding for a month. And believe it or not, I actually had rosy boas born um, at the tail end of November, the year before last. I think I did oh, like wow. 10 litters that year and um, all of them were super late like that. And I think part of it is our, our summers are staying hot, like all the way into October and um, November, we're having really hot days. And then we're having really cool springs, like uh, not last year, but the year before the kids last day of school, we had a blizzard in May. And so it's like my whole, my entire collection is kind of shifting because I think that they're feeling that. Oh, that's interesting. You wouldn't think, you know, being inside, and I know that like with my the closet, of course, is getting air ducked in from outside, but you wouldn't think being inside they'd feel that, but they certainly seem to. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've talked to other people in different parts of the country that, you know, they have a an overly hot winter and it completely affects their breeding. And, you know, we have a lot more control in a snake room than, of course, these animals do in the wild. That really makes me wonder how they handle these um, these oddly warm or oddly cold seasons in the wild. Do they just all not breed for a year? I, think, I almost feel like we're missing something there, you know? Well, I also think the answer to a lot of this is they're a lot hardier than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is we put them in captivity and we try to control everything. And obviously we're leaving things out. One, the option to go find whatever they need. You right. Know? They can't go find that difference that they may need at that moment in time. That is definitely somewhere where they live and they can go find it. So, Well, that's true. Like we're hitting one or two of their criteria where in the wild they have 10 of them to choose from. Yeah. I mean, you, you drop the temperatures in the cage during the winter and that's what it is. But who the hell knows? And, but they, they're coming out during the winter and sitting in the sun and warming up during the day and going and find a hole that stays warm during the night. It's just it, there's so many things that go on. But when it comes to it, we just can only do the best that we think we can get to. And it's a lot of times like when we talk about hot temperatures, uh, like monitors, we've talked about before, uh, the way that a lot of people keep monitors may not be the best way where they cook them at like 150 degrees. You have monitors love 150 degrees, but how often are those monitors really sitting in 150 degrees? Like, yeah, that's well, just exactly. The- yeah. So, you know, and I think to that effect, I mean, we often, I mean, for years, I think, our temperatures, we looked at, uh, you know, we looked at an area and what their daytime maximum highs were and daytime yeah. maximum lows, not realizing that these animals were finding their little microclimates and the niches where they wanted to spend the hot part of the day or the coldest part of the night. And, you know, we weren't really looking at, at that kind of criteria. 
I mean, similar to the lines about how the outliers have become kind of the norm for size in snakes. We say, oh, they can get up to this. So we say, oh, they should be this. You know, we, we, we tend to focus on the extremes for whatever reason. Well, good. That brings me to our next question, kind of. Uh, the next question we asked this week was, what is your favorite snake that is under three feet long? So we're going the opposite of, of giant snakes. Uh, last week we talked with Nick where we talked about coastal carpets. And I remember seeing coastal carpets get 12 to 14 foot long. And no one has a fucking coastal carpet at 12 or 14 foot. But I have definitely shifted my most of my collection towards things under three feet. I still have my boas because I, like, I love my, my yeah. boas. But there's a lot of cool stuff that is three foot or less. And so I asked all of our listeners. And I want to go through several of them. Uh, Bill Bradley said egg eaters, centipede eaters, slug eaters, and crayfish snakes, which I saw my first crayfish snake in person this past week, um, which was a very, it was a pretty snake. I mean, it was a very pretty snake. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, you've talked slug eaters, decays, uh, brown snakes fit into that category. And I think decays, brown snakes, if, if I had the patience to feed worms to a snake, <laughs> I would own decays, brown snakes, because one, they're extremely variable. The one we found the other day was almost like a copper color. Yeah. And it had tons of pattern on the back. And I'm sure we could have gone a mile down the road and found one that was brown or you know, gray or black. They're very extremely variable. So they are an awesome snake. I just, again, I've said before, I'm lazy and I want stuff that eats mice because it's just easier for me. Uh, our friend Tracy said garter snakes and hog noses. Uh, there's a lot of really cool garter snakes. But again, I, I like stuff that eats mice. And I don't want to feed fish and all that stuff. But there are a lot of really pretty garter snakes. Uh, hog noses, I just can't deal with the poop. I've said it before. The poop of a hog nose just turns me off. It's it's so horrible. The it's smell? Yes. I think James is just a big baby. I had I've one. I've never smelled one of those. Oh, I had one. Just one. A friend gave me one, and every time it was shit in the rack, I could walk in the room and just smell it, and I'm like, nope, we're done. Yeah, I could had a weird hog nose. Yeah, I couldn't imagine a whole rack of that. I just couldn't do it. That doesn't bother me at all. Me either. Um, Darren James Walker, is sensitive. I am. I have a very sensitive nose. I can smell like I, I don't like smelly stuff. Like the, the decay snake the other day was horrible. That thing must. Yeah, he it must on him, and the whole time in the truck he's over there like, oh, and I'm like, I don't even don't. But I'm also the guy that can smell like someone smoking in a car in traffic, like five cars away, and both of our windows are up. So, I just, <laughs> uh, so here's a question, James: yes. Did you change diapers when your when your kid was a baby? Well, yeah, because I wanted to stay married. Oh, my brother, uh, two kids, never did. He now, never changed a single dirty diaper. No, I don't do. I don't bodily, know how he got away with that. <laughs> I don't do like bodily fluids, like vomit. Not my job. Uh, when I walked in and found that my daughter got into her diaper and then smeared it all over her crib and her wall and herself, I closed <laughs> oh. the I closed the door, walked away, and told my wife it's her daughter. Like that, that I don't do. Wow. But I'm so glad I'm past the diaper wow. stage on my kid. Me too. Uh, look, my daughter when she was a baby would have, and it's going to be more information about here. Solid. Regular poop all the time until my wife left me alone with her. And 30 minutes after my wife's gone, fucking liquid diarrhea. I'm like, what the hell? Every yeah, time. I'm glad I'm past that stage too, Jason. I mean, I said the other day we were talking about it and I said the next person that'll probably be in diapers in my house is me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that, uh, that to me was a huge milestone. Oh, we God. were done with diapers for good. And um, my youngest is in a booster seat. And when we got rid of the actual car seat that I had to strap in and never be able to figure out how to unstrap without, you know, killing my hands, like uh -huh. those were yeah. the two for me that were big milestones so far. 
Yeah, uh, we're done with all that. Yeah, that was we're, great. We're done, we're, with, we're done with now too. It's amazing. We're done with school with, for one of them because she graduated. So, yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, so Darren Watson named one of my favorite snakes that I, I don't own and probably won't. But again, uh, viper boas. I had one. It's the only wild caught snake I ever got. It was definitely wild caught. I got it. It never ate. It ended up starving to death because it just wouldn't eat for me. I would love some of those one day. But I, I, I may do them one day once enough people captive breed them. Uh, they're eating rodents on a regular basis when they're born, and they may not want to kill me. Uh, but I love viper boas. That's another one that is extremely expensive for something that used to be really cheap. Uh, but well, from what I understand, those almost need to be kept in swampy conditions. Yeah, well, that's you know, why they, you... they, they need a wet cage, like uh, which again, that that would be extremely hard for me to do in Colorado. Well, and it's if you ever see them when they come in wild, you always have to wait for them to shed to actually see what they look like, because they all come in covered in tannins, which tells you they're sitting mm-hmm. in this wet uh, forest mm-hmm. floor. So, yeah, that's, which is funny that it took people that long to figure it out, because right there's a big clue, right? Yeah, yeah. But if, I feel if, like that was one that the, the requirements were very misunderstood when those were first, you know, coming in a lot. Yeah, if they come in stained, you probably are not going to put them in a dry, sterile habitat. That's probably not the best bet. Yeah, if we weren't transporting them in teeth. So I, I like viper boas. Uh, I, I don't know when I'll own one again, but I do, I've always loved them. Uh, Miguel Villa said Western hog noses. That's his favorite. Uh, all right, Scott Wright. So, uh, this one. Was, he said uh, he's kept a lot of species, including Eastern indigo, which definitely doesn't fall into that group. But then he said his uh, Thamnophis genus, which uh, is the egg eaters. Uh, I've never had an egg eater. There's, it's a uh, I get it. They're cool. They're just, they're not, they don't fit into my group of snakes. I like, uh, Nathan Holcomb said decays brown snakes. I said earlier, I think decays brown snakes are an awesome snake to keep. If you can feed worms, I've, I've watched, um, on snake discovery, I've watched Emily. She'll cut up little pieces of worm and feed them to the babies. Oh, like, wow. That's, that's more patience than I have. I just, uh, Chris Barnes says, haven't actually kept either one, but Anteresia or Sambo's. I haven't one children's Python. Uh, I bought her with the hopes of, I really like snakes under three feet. I really don't like her. Well, I, take it back. I love the way she looks. She looks awesome, but she's a bitch and I can't hold her. I can't Children's are like that. The name's deceptive. Yes. I can't enjoy her. <laughs> I'm like, I, I had her, uh, I took her for an educational thing, just in a little exoterrace. People see her. I ended up having to put her away because she would just sit there, kept striking at the side. So I'm like, you yeah. suck. Uh, I do love, obviously, I do love Samboas, all of them. I'm working on getting all of them. Right now, I'm at Rough Scale Samboas, Kenyan Samboas, Indian Samboas, and now uh, Black Russian Samboas. Uh, I need to get... you have Indians? I do have a pair of Indians. Uh, oh, nice. Sunset, like uh, F5s. So they're really pretty orange. That's, that's a weird one. If you've never held one, they have tails, and it's the weirdest thing on Earth. I haven't. I've kind of admired them from afar. They're one, um, you know, with some of the larger boas, I feel like I'm turning and I'm getting a lot more interest into uh, locality type stuff. Yeah. And that's one thing that I, I find really interesting about the sand boas as well is there's, you know, a pretty diverse look with, within localities. It's kind of fun, you know. It is, you know, it's one of those that uh, I guess that was part of the draw with rosy boas for me too. Like, you just, you know, you want one of everything. <laughs> well, the Indians are funny. I fed them the other night and uh, so I fed her. And as soon as I fed her and her mouth was preoccupied with the food, she stuck her tail up in the air and you could see her wiggling it around like it's a head. 
So you can see her trying to keep you preoccupied while she eats. Like a rubber ball. Yeah, a lot like a rubber. But this tail is much longer. And like I said, the first time that it wrapped its tail around my finger, I, I was like, what the fuck is this? The Sambo's don't have tails. They still don't hold on. <laughs> yeah. So I, was, I, I always say that Sambo's could fall off the floor. They are ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, I, I have that. So do you I, have a favorite? I don't know. I, I really like the Kenyans because I love the genetics. But with that said, uh, rough scale will give you that awesome little viper look, mm-hmm. which looks really awesome with the pattern and the way they are. But then Indians are just so freaking weird. And that female is going to get like three foot long and be big as, you know, for Samboa, be very large. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I also have a solid black Samboa and it looks fucking, you know, Russian Samboa and it looks awesome too. So I don't, I, I, it's hard to choose one. I re- well, I really want an Arabian. Uh, they're derpy, sock puppet looking faces. Uh, I want that. And, but the problem now, is. the Arabians, are those the ones that are the other egg layer besides Saharans? Yes. Yes, they're the ones, but their eggs uh, incubate longer. The Saharans incubate for like up to 14 days, and they're, born, yeah, and they're very cool, thin. Cool. Uh, the Arabians have longer, uh, longer gestation or longer uh, incubation time. Um, but they're also the ones that, that everybody, when they talk about a dumb looking snake, it's them with their eyes up on top of their head, looking like little googly eyes. That's just mean to them. Though. I mean, they're that way for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah, because they work. They work great for sitting in the sand with those eyes. Just they're like right the, the little tiny anaconda in the desert. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Angel said ring snakes. I had one ring snake once. I could never get it to eat. But they are a very pretty snake. Uh, I also didn't realize uh, I was at a herp show once. Someone told me that they're venomous. But I think they're venomous in the same way like a garter snake's venomous. Starting to believe that everything's venomous. It feels that way. Yeah. I'll, at least a lot of the clues. I just don't want uh-huh. any of the legislatures to, to, to figure that venomous. shit out. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Because uh, then we'll be like Colorado and you can't keep, you know, hard nose. Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Livingston said Rosie Boas. I love my Mexican Rosie Boas. But I know, Jason, you said you like the locale stuff. That's the one reason I can't get into rubber boa or rosy boas very much is because it is a very much a locale-driven group of snakes. It is almost to an extreme that I think it's taken a little bit too far because um, there really is stuff, I mean, down to a certain road marker almost. It's a lot like gray bands. Stuff on. The way, the way people are, it's a lot like gray band and king snakes where everybody's like, well, if it comes from this side yeah. of the road next to this rock, it's this kind. But if it's on the other side of a cactus, it's this. Like that's a little too specific for me. So now the one thing with rosies, though, there is a very big uh, dif- visual difference from ones from different areas, and that I think is one of the draws with them. Um, interestingly enough, I was mentioning like with the boas, I'm getting a lot more interest in the the, uh, the different locality stuff. Like mm-hmm. um, last year, I produced my first um, Pearl Island boa. That's that cool. was really fun, you know, that to have one of those, and I'd like to get some more island locale specifically stuff um but with the rosy boas i'm actually been shifting more into morphs um and i think part of that is 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 maybe i I don't know maybe i just see that too much of it is so locale specific i mean you lose one animal and you're kind of stuck on a project you know something like that but i um i with the morphs i started with uh, a group i got from um keith carlson of his carlson snows back in I want to say there were 03s that I got in 04. Um, and it was a group of five possible hats that all proved out. Like the first year I got snows on all of them. 
which was amazing for like the one in 16 odds to each female to hit it and prove it out. But that's kind of just driven this desire, I guess, to see just different morphs and, and rosies. And that, that's kind of shunned upon to a certain extent with the rosies because yeah, there is a lot of purity involved in that yeah, one. It's all that locale stuff. But they there's don't some beautiful anything. stuff being made with the morphs, you know? Yeah, I, that one well, definitely different. Like, because so I've got Mexican rosies, so people will see the Mexican rosies and go, well, "What is that?" And I'm like, "Oh, they'll ask what morph it is." I'm like, "It's not a morph. It's it's just a Mexican rosie." It's, everybody's used to that that red and tan or red and bluish looking color rosie boa, and so when they see that tan yeah. and black one, they're not used to that. Well, the Mexicans have such a perfect stripe too. Yes. I mean, that throws people with them. It's it's such. A, I mean, it's it's almost like a sharp line, you know, like a sharpie. Did it? They really. Those are some of the prettier ones. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sean McCarthy also said uh, Viper Boas. Chris Sexton cheated, and cheaters don't win. But he said Baby Morelia. That's, <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> That's cheating. They don't stay small. They don't count. Uh, Wiley Cunningham said his male Halmahera ground boa, and his wife also loves garters. I don't know the Halmahera. I mean, I'm assuming it's falls in the same group as like uh, Paul's and I and all that kind of stuff, the, the little ground boas from over there. But uh, Grant's said hognose. Well, of course, the Grant's of hognose. Ryan Goslow went saw scaled viper. Yes, it's very cool, but uh, I'm not holding it. Uh, Lavissa said Daisy Peltis Ganzai. I looked that up. Uh, that I think is an egg eater. A what? I think that's an egg eater. That's that's the one that was egg. Eater. The other one earlier was garter snakes. That's an egg eater. Daisy Peltis Ganzai or Ganzi. Um, Andrew Turner said a waggler's viper. Brandon Millichamp said speckled hog nose, which get larger than the three feet, so that's cheating also. Okay. Uh, Kyle Phillips said rosy boas. Uh, Robert Power said rosy boas. I mean, uh, hog nose, hog nose. didn't type it. <laughs> you just said it. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeff Ope said Candoia, Paul's and I. That's the little the ground boas. It's the, um, why can I not think of what area of the world they come from? Because what they're named. It's, some, it's whatever ground boas. It's the ones... Indonesia. Solomon Island? Yeah, that, that area. Uh, the Grants also said Sambo was as well. So what? Which? So which one is your favorite small? So since you have several of them, Jason, which one is your favorite? My favorite small one? Yeah, something under three foot. You know, the rubber boas have a real special place in my heart. Um, they were one of the earlier snakes that I bred. Um, my they were the, the favorite of my best friend who passed away in 2002. Um, in fact, he was my, my wife's older brother. We started dating about a year after he passed away and his mom actually still has his rubber boas at her house. Oh, and, wow. um, so these are what 26 year old rubber boas and, uh, they've produced multiple times. And so th those are just always kind of special to me. They're also one that, um, I think I've taken one bite ever from a rubber boa. They're just docile. Oh yeah calm um i mean it's almost like they like to be held and i know that's probably just more like they're getting the warmth off of your hand but the way that they curl around your wrist or your fingers it's just it's there's just something different about them i mean they're such an anomaly for snakes in general to have these ones that can be found active in light snow it's just it's a, they're just amazing to me i really enjoy my um my rosy bows too but you know, they are a nippy snake, and that's one thing yes. that people have to realize. They're a, they're a smaller snake. They are, I mean, they're a really good snake, but they they have a really strong feeding response. And part of that is that probably that they winter, and so they go, they, they're naturally used to fasting, so they probably have this, this feast or famine uh, mindset when it's warm enough. 
because they will strike at almost anything. Yes. And you have to, you have to almost learn how to handle a rosy boa. Well, they don't, so you're not getting bit. And they don't always just strike. They also do that thing where like they're crawling around in your hand and then they just slowly turn their and head. And the push. <laughs> and then they, then they're biting you. All of a sudden, like I'm holding it and now its mouth is on my hand. Yep. Yeah. Well, people will hold mine. And when I see that nose start pushing into yes. their hand or their arm or whatever, and I'm like, it's about to bite. No, it likes me. And nope. It's, it, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing the way they do that. Corn, uh-huh. corn snakes will do that too sometimes. Uh, seems like every time we go over to uh, one of the breeders' houses with my son, he's like, "This one never bites anybody," and it always like starts smelling Logan's arm and then just bites him. Yeah, just takes a bite every time. Yeah. What kind of snake did you say, Robert? Corn snakes. They'll corn just snake. they'll just run, nuzzle up against you and go, "Oh, look, this looks like a good spot. Let me bite Talk. you here." Blackheads do that too. Yeah, but I'll say blackheads. You got blackheads. They'll do that too. Yeah, they'll just kind of nose love and go home. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to for this, when it goes to the things under three feet. Now that I have the rubber boas, it's it's rubber boas for me. I getting them was just like one of those childhood dreams. Like I've said it before, I I remember looking in the Audubon field guide and seeing a picture of a rubber boa when I was like twelve, going, "I want that snake because it's a North American boa." And then I finally got. I you could ask Katie. I. You couldn't have gotten a smile off my face if you tried when I opened that box and I was holding rubber boas for the first time. And now that I can walk into my snake room and I've got four of them, it, it's amazing. And, and they're the, awesome, aren't they? Well, it's but you definitely got to be someone who like and I, I think really enjoys that kind of snake because for a lot of people, it's it's just a fucking worm. Like it doesn't look. It's very plain because it's just this, as a baby, it's this little tan colored snake that doesn't have any pattern. It, it's not flashy. But it's to me, it's just such a really, really cool snake. And I mean, it's again, it's it's one of the two boa species that we have in North America, so it's cool to own them. Yep, I'm gonna get some eventually. You'll get a kick out of this when I uh, when I I guess it was about 15 years ago. But my grandparents had come to visit, and so I uh, I mentioned I was born in Texas, and then when I was pretty young, when my parents split up, we moved to uh, Northern California where my mom was from, and um, my grandparents lived up in. Uh, in the Sierras, um, pretty high altitude and stuff. And so they had come to visit one time and wanted to see the animals. And so I'm showing around the basement and I'm telling, Oh, this is from here. This is, you know, all these different things that I had. And I get to the rubber boas and I start to talk. And my grandma goes, I know what a rubber boa is. I move those out of my garden all the time. I'm like, are you kidding me, grandma? All the times I've tried to find them in the wild and, you know, never been able to see them. And she's like, Oh, it's in my garden. I don't want to hit it with the shovel. Let's move it. Uh, technically, boa stigma is also North American, just not in the U.S. Yeah, I'm not counting it. We're talking just U.S. here. So we're not counting Central or, or well, Mexico or whatever. But, yeah. Yeah, that, the, the thing that sucks, though, for the folks that are in the river boa range is they don't get to keep them. Yeah. No. Like, that that's enough right there for me never to move to the Northwest or Idaho or anywhere. I, not being able to keep them. Like, that would just – it's a nightmare to go, you have one of the coolest – to me, one of the coolest animals in this country – just roam in your yard, and you're like, can't pick it up, can't have it. So in some of their range, you can keep them, like you can catch them and keep them. You can't uh, breed them or sell them. Yeah, see, that's the fun part, though. That's but, the fun part. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I agree to that. Would be hard just to like, <laughs> look at them from afar. And I couldn't, I couldn't have two of them and go, nope, not gonna breed them. <laughs> I got just, yeah, oops, <laughs> it happened on, on accident. Yep, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, she slipped, fell, landed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Corey, this would be a weird question for you because you've gone yeah. the exact opposite direction. 
and you're like, I want really long snakes. I like big snakes usually, but I like hog noses. I have hog noses. I have my first clutch on the ground of hog noses. So, do any of those They're eggs cool. have the little windows in them? Because I know hog noses sometimes. Yeah, have they do. Little, yeah, I have, I, yeah, and they and they kind of sometimes as they get closer to hatching, they'll get more translucent. What's uh, so. what's the pairing on them, Corey? It, this one was a uh, red albino het asianthic to snow. Mm. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll have to take a look at those when they hatch. Yeah, <laughs> I happen to have some of those same genes. What do you know? Mm-hmm. All right, and so our last question was: What is? We had a lot of questions this week because I had one, and then Jason gave me two really good ones. So I was like, "We'll ask all these." Yeah, it was like every evening my phone would start blowing up because <laughs> James would post a question, and then all the responses come to my phone too. So this was: What is your favorite DIY tool, trick, or hack in the reptile room? And I think I've asked this one before, but it's interesting to ask it again now, just because sometimes it changes. We have a whole bunch of new people that listen. Uh, I love Jay's answer. Uh, he had a beer fridge. That was a very important. One. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, I like that a lot. Sure, a, a beer That's fridge. about three feet from the door outside of my snake room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gina said a straight blade box cutter to scrape dried gecko food off of glass enclosures. That's not an issue for me, but if anybody has that, that'd be useful. Uh, Brandon said Dollar Tree water bowls. I do love. I I use a little Dollar Tree. They come in a three pack, little plastic ramekin bowls. They fit great in my uh, like smaller Samboa tubs, and it's a dollar for three of them. I do love those. Uh, magnets along the metal shelves to hold tongs, which I do have one of those magnets used for like holding knives like next to your stove. I did strap that onto one of my racks, and that's where my feeding tongs go, so they're always right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a squeeze bottle for Pangea gecko food, which we have a squeeze bottle for keeping gecko food in. Uh, that's a good one. And a lot of this, again, a lot of that stuff comes from Dollar Tree or cheap at Walmart. Uh, Darren said a Dremel. I do love a Dremel tool. Those are amazing because I don't know. I'm sure everybody at some point has melted holes into a tub for air holes. Yeah. And that's a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. Oh, a Dremel tool makes it so much easier. You just got to, can't, you got to be careful because sometimes you can, some of them can break, but. You guys don't solder them? I I solder. I used to. I don't anymore. I have a Dremel tool. So the first time I bred the black Russian sandboas, they actually came out of the solder holes. Oh, shit. That happened to me with house snakes. Did it really? Yep. It was it was quite a shock to me. I um, you know, like I said, I was pe- treating them like my rosy bows, and I I remember telling uh, my wife I would be based on the female side. I said I'm going to be super excited if I get at least four of these babies. And there was 14 in the tub, and I found them as some of them were coming out of the hole. They were the, oh, the smallest snake I'd ever seen. You know. Awesome. Now I have to worry about Because, I mean, that. when a, a rosy bow is born, it's like the size of, like, a number two pencil. Yeah. You know? And these little sandbows are tiny. Jeez. That's one, Corey. No one mentioned house snakes. That's one. That's I know. I'm surprised no one mentioned house snakes. I, they weren't for me, but I, I, they're they're one that should – they're getting pretty popular. I've thought about getting into up. them. There's some really awesome colors in those, like some olive green with, like, yeah. yellow striping. That's really pretty. Yeah. Um, and to me, they just they, – they look like – South Africa's version of a corn snake. Yeah, that's kind of why I didn't dig them. Like they just, it felt. I mean, it had a different, you know, slightly different features, but it felt just very corn snake. Because it, it looks like a python, but it acts like a mm-hmm. corn snake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who has one female house snake that she's had since it was a baby three years ago, and it laid eggs last night, and they're viable eggs. Wow! wow. Veins. So apparently, parthenogenesis cool. is a thing. Uh, that's a cool. thing in house snakes. 
That'll be interesting. Yeah. Cool. Because she's like, I don't even know what to do to incubate these. Like, how? how what do you do to keep your snake room? I would imagine you just put those on a shelf. She said, I keep it 78 mm-hmm. to 80. I said, put them on a the shelf. They'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. Put them in the corn snake eggs. Uh, we have one for say quick reflexes and hands, especially for emerald tree boa enclosures. Sometimes Oops. there are some snakes where quick reflexes come in handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't have those. <laughs> Emily said tissues and band-aids. <laughs> she has bitey milk snakes. <laughs> I'm with you, Corey. Aww. Normally I'm already bleeding before I flinch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Doug- <laughs> fucking Douglas Ray White. Douglas Ray White said, mostly my wife. She keeps me straight most of the time. He also said a butter knife to remove urates and corners of tubs, hydrogen peroxide or germex, just in case the king snakes decide that they'd rather try to eat them. Uh, so, uh, old Douglas. I miss Doug. I'm sure we'll see him at Slidell next weekend. Yes. I love Douglas Ray. I don't think I've seen I Doug. I can't help but say because because it's Sean's fault. He says Douglas Ray White. Doug, but he goes Douglas Ray White. Yeah. Like, I can't help but say it like that. I don't, I don't think they were at Conroe. I don't think so. I don't think I saw him and Tasha. If they were, they didn't come say hi to us, and I'm very well, upset. I didn't see a lot of people at Conroe because I was so damn busy. Um, Victor says he uses the plastic toolboxes and converts them into hides from Dollar Tree. A little black and That's what I have in my rats. I yeah. use those for my rats. Um, that's a that's an Emily from Snake Discovery trick. Yeah, and then old Heidi Jack. This is definitely. I think this is definitely Jack writing this. Uh, yeah, it, it was. He, he yeah. told me afterwards. Says, <laughs> Just get to work. Yeah, that sounds like Jack. That definitely sounds like Jack. Yeah. Uh, and then Sean said plain brown Listerine to clean and disinfect. Works great. Works good. I though I, I love Did you say this. Listerine. Yeah. Yeah. The plain brown. You can if you even want to be even cheaper. You just get the dollar store brand. But, That's the unscented, like the unflavored yeah. kind. Yeah. Yep. Huh. I've never even considered that. Yep. I just I've started. Is that what you guys use for cleaning? I used it in a pinch, but I sell chlorhexidine, I so I always have chlorhexidine. Yeah. I, I like the smell of chlorhexidine and how safe it is. And so. Yep. Yeah, I do. Uh, the chlorhexidine, I, I rotate what I use. So I use that F10, and then when I do a thorough cleaning of everything, I do I do with bleach. I haven't done bleach in forever, and it's made me so happy. I used to do bleach, but the problem was bleach one, will cut the urate better than anything else. Yeah, it just also it ate through the seals of every spray bottle I ever used. Well, you have to buy one that's made for bleach. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm cheap. <clears throat> well, for me, I should clarify. Like to me, bleach is when I do the tubs. Yeah. Like if I'm taking an animal out of a tub and it's getting a new tub before anything else goes back in that tub, it gets soaked in a bleach and water solution in my laundry sink. I wash it out with that, and then I wash it out with dish soap. So it's never gotcha. like a straight bleach that's in a spray bottle type of thing. I do use the chlorhexidine and the F10 in spray bottles. But I heard or read somewhere a long time ago that uh, certain bacteria can get, like, resistant. Yeah, And I've so that's that. why I try to mix it up. Mm-hmm. I have heard that. And, I, and that's probably that, – that's 100% the better way to go. But we've already covered this in this episode that I'm lazy. And so <laughs> it's sticking with chlorhexidine. Uh, he says that, and he wants to come work for me at some point. I was working today. Says that I drilled a, a crap ton of holes today. You did drill a crap ton of holes today. Making rat racks. Um, all right. So let's move as long as we're coming up with two hours. I do want to. So I did watch a video. I told you today I was going to I was going to say something nice, probably for the first time in a long time or ever about Brian Barczyk. Because I know on here I normally talk a lot of shit about Brian Barczyk and I feel it's warranted. But his video that he let out today was a uh, Make-A-Wish. There was a girl that wanted to make a wish to come to the Serpentarium and do all of that. And I thought that was amazing. Uh, so I just wanted to give him, give a shout out to Brian Barchick for doing the make a wish thing. I think that's really cool. 
Uh, the girl has like a heart condition, a, a serious heart condition. And so I saw that. I just wanted to throw that out there. Ro- Robert, do you, want, do you want to talk about your stupid people of the internet? I don't have a whole lot this week. Can uh, I interject real quick? I go. gotta say, Robert, this has become one of my favorite uh, parts <laughs> of the show every week. So let me see. Do <laughs> I was have... proud. <laughs> uh, I was just looking at one where some guy in a group was talking about his twenty-two foot ball python. <laughs> <laughs> um, I found one in my neighborhood group today. Someone was like, "Hey, did anyone lose a lizard?" And apparently, there was a tegu running around our neighborhood. Oh shit! Oh, cool. Or at least it wasn't a picture of like a of a green and old. Um, this girl yeah, posted, posted a picture yesterday in one of the ball python groups of her two ball pythons in a, an arboreal glass enclosure. And she's talking about, look, they think they're tree pythons. And people tried to give her a little bit of advice. She got really snarky and left the group. But I went and looked at her page, and she's one of those that's like, Look, I took my snake to Harmon and Ross and Dollar Tree today, and he took over the store. And so many people were scared. It was hilarious watching them jump. And wow. yeah, so she's one of those. Well, that helps none of us. There was this one that uh, ruin that ruin it for all of us. Yeah, Same with, uh, feeding this, is, videos. this is my segment, sir. Uh, but I had one from John Grant that I thought was funny. Okay, he sent us one. It was a post uh, post where one goes. She was told this guy's a pine snake, but she has no clue what it is. And <laughs> yeah. It's a Vietnamese beauty Blue, snake. Yeah, like. I don't know how wrong you could have been to think it was a pine snake. Oh, oh this is one from the Arkansas, one of the Arkansas groups. Um, someone posted a picture of a baby copperhead and they were like, oh, look at this baby that we found. I unfortunately hit it um, with my lawnmower. Uh, I was playing with it a little bit. It never tried to bite me. And then somebody's like, uh, this is a picture from the Internet. Here's where it was posted four years ago. That's right. <laughs> Why oh my do you God. feel like you need that much attention? And then oh, wow. she like kept arguing. No, I took this picture this morning, and like he wouldn't found it. Here's a hundred times this picture's been shared in this group. Uh, here's one wow. from a hybrid group that JT shared with us. Question was: Is there any hybrids with a king snake with a savu python? Yeah. The fuck. <laughs> yeah. right That's on, why man. we can't have nice things. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one was good. Uh, let's see. I've been pretty busy this week, so I haven't looked at a lot of them. Um, I love this one. Person in World of Ball Python says, I have a granite ball python. What should I breed her with? And the person just goes, a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, like this person that was looking to buy a leopard gecko with an enclosure for $100. And, then, and no and one then commented and said, anyone? And then said, I'll pay 107 to 110 That's a very specific price range. Yeah. $111. I just won't do it. It's too much. Yeah. 106 um, is just not enough. That's those people again. Um, oh. There's the pine snake, Safu Python. Yeah. It's- <laughs> uh, Bob Vu posted his uh, his thing this week about the proper way to rep your um, <laughs> rep your, ven- your Venom Life shirt um, with something dangerous, and it's him and his, <laughs> his fiance or wife. And then it's got the dude from South Carolina that, you know, has now lost all of his snakes and or North Carolina, and it's probably going to cause everyone there to lose their venomous snakes. I liked this one. I think it was a, it was a water snake, and the person goes, uh, headed exactly there in a week. Uh, so the person was a copperhead, and the person says, it's not a copperhead. And they were like, how do you know by only the markings? It has to be a copperhead. I'm like, they know by the markings. It's not a copperhead. Okay, I'm going to play some audio real quick. Oh, God. Let's see if we this works. 
This is a person video a snake in Massachusetts. Oh. <laughs> All right, here we All right, go. That's a good one. I'll turn it up. Hey, snake identifiers. I just found this snake. I'm pretty sure it's a boa constrictor, but I'm not 100%. It's a water snake. And uh, I was hoping you guys could help me out. Uh, it's alive and it's moving. Either some kind of python or boa constrictor. Thanks a lot, everybody. That's yep. what it had to be. Had yep. to be in Massachusetts. Nailed it. I mean, yeah. could have been anything. Yeah, could have been anything native, yeah. but no, it's got to be a boa or a, or a python. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a common water snake. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, these people make life worth living. <laughs> um, that's the professional massage therapist. Oh, uh, the guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're gonna just yeah, we'll leave that one. We're just gonna pass that. So, one. anyways, all right, Corey, do you have anything else? No. Oh. I was late to looking. So I didn't get to, we didn't get to talk about it a lot. I want to talk about more with Jason about you didn't do your, uh, your, uh, sponsor blurb. Oh, I didn't do my, don't worry about it. I, I do need to say the sponsors though. So if you need a reptile rack, Lone Star, LS com. Boom. Boom. Go to LS com or other sponsor plug. Come to Slidell in two weeks. <laughs> you better get there early on Saturday. Yes, for the Herp anything Show. anything like the last show. Herp Slidell. That If you're anywhere within a drive of Slidell, Louisiana for the Herp Show, you should be at that one. That's going to be a pretty big show. Uh, it's it's starting to rival the Conroe Show. I think it missed the Conroe Show numbers by like 10 people last time. So it's a pretty big show. Uh, that is in two weeks. And then the week after that, we're in Oklahoma. Oklahoma City. So Oklahoma City. And then our other sponsor is Wiregrass Exotics. If you're anywhere near Ozark, Alabama or anywhere near South East Alabama, go by and see Wiregrass Exotics. They showed an awesome picture today. They took their snake in to the vet, uh, and they took a rattlesnake into the vet the other mm-hmm. day. Part and, and the vet knew, and it was to help also train some of the people there. But they wanted to uh, uh, ultrasound it to see if it had any babies. It did not, unfortunately. But uh, that was some really cool pictures of the people that they had it tubed properly. It was all done. To, they didn't just walk in with a rattlesnake in a bag and throw it on a table. So. It was, it was done properly. But go buy Wiregrass Exotics and check out. They have a hot room. You can go by and you can see their hot, all their venomous snakes. For those that don't know what hot is, it's venomous snakes. They just got a whole bunch of corn snake morphs in. So they have a bunch of stuff. It, I'm looking forward to going and visiting their store. Yeah, and they have feeders. They have a really cool feeder program there like uh, for crickets. You pay for all of your crickets, and then you get them as you need. So at the beginning of the month, go in and pay for your, I think it's like 500 crickets, and then you pick them up as you need. Oh, shit. Yeah, something fell out of my pocket. Uh, I like their post from a couple of days ago. Proven bleeder, breeder, blue racer, mostly tame. <laughs> <laughs> Probably as tame as a blue racer gets. Oh, uh, Jason, you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, I just want to say thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, I didn't want to apologize if I interrupted or talked over anybody no. at all. I got um, every once in a while my phone's been getting a little choppy. So oh, if fine. I did, I do apologize for that. But uh, otherwise, mm. I really had a great time. Are, are you doing the Pueblo show in October? I'm hoping to. Right. Um, I do need to sign up for it. But yeah, I'd like to. I, uh, you know, the Pueblo show that we <clears throat> just did in May, that was the first show I've done in uh, probably two years. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was it was kind of fun to do it again. And that's a great group of people. I was, I was really impressed with everybody I met and uh, the warm welcome I got. Yeah, if you're going to come back and do a show after not doing a show for a long time, I think a Herp show is, is the best way you could have gone. Cause, uh, it's well, definitely- you know, it's funny. I um, I mentioned that I, I did a lot of shows for a while, and then I took a break. 
And then I did some shows that they only did like two of them. And then that promoter kind of backed off. And then I did another one that was two. And then I think COVID might have kind of shut them down. And um, so I hadn't, you know, hadn't done it in a while. And that was, you're right, that was a great one to come back to. And it's funny because I get very almost apprehensive, like before something like that. I'm like, ah, why did I sign up for this? I don't want to do it. You know, and then once you're there, it's just, it's a, it was a really great time. You know, I, um, like I said, I enjoyed meeting all the people I did, just a great group of people. I, you know, Robert, I really liked that, you know, Logan's the same age as uh, my oldest son that came with me because mm-hmm. they could kind of pal around. And I, I felt great knowing that he wasn't by himself wandering around. Like, you know, yeah, was, I think they, they hung out a good time. quite a bit together and had a good time. Logan actually asked about him the other day. And I said, well, hopefully oh, they'll nice. be there in October when we go back. You know, I'd like to bring my whole family when I come back, bring the other kids and my wife with me because it was, I mean, it, that one felt very much like a, like a family affair. I yeah, guess. definitely. So, All the Herb shows are like fun. that. Yeah. I just wish I could make it to that one, but I'll have a job and I can't. Yeah. Well, James won't be able to come to that one. That's too far away. That's in the middle of the run of five shows in a row. Oh, wow. One of which is Amarillo and two weeks <laughs> later is, is, uh, it's like we have, Pueblo. That's like almost why I even bother driving home. I think like, it's the so. first one. Well, we have Pueblo, then we have Temple, then we have Amarillo. Oh. So it's, Imagine Pueblo is the furthest you go, Robert. Yeah, 16 hours, and then 3 hours, and then 11 hours. And then so yeah. Slidell's in there somewhere, right? Slidell and Oklahoma City, I think, are the next two. Wow. <laughs> uh, maybe We're driving Oklahoma. to Texas next week uh, to see my family down there, and it's like 18 or 20-hour drive. It's, it's ridiculous. Yes. We're at in Texas. He told you that. Uh, they live in Angleton. Um, oh. Well, you guys, I've heard you talk about the, uh, what's it called? The Crocodile Encounter? Yeah. They're about 10 and 15 miles south of that on 288. Oh, We're you're about 10 miles north you're of like that. driving past our house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because <laughs> you guys are a little north, because you're a little closer to Brazos Bend, it sounds like. Yeah. So you should holler so at us. So from their house, it's about maybe 35, 40 minutes to Brazos so, yeah, Bend. If you have free time, you should definitely come by and, and hang out, and we can go herping. Hey, that'd be cool. You know, my kids want to go to Crocodile Encounter. Maybe we could all meet up there or something. Yeah. I haven't been yet. I and I'd like to see Brazos Ben. That was always, uh, I think, I don't know if you saw my, I commented on that post, but yeah. my dad used to take me camping there when I was a kid. And so that's kind of has special memories to me and my sisters and my stepmom and stuff. My dad passed away in 2019 and um, about a month before his birthday. And so I flew down there and we all spent uh, his birthday at Brazos Ben. That was like a, that was a, that was a cool place for our family, you know? Well, that'd be awesome. Yeah. You definitely have to, if you've got some time, contact us. I mean, because Robert and I live like four minutes away from each other. So it's easy for us to come down and see you. Yeah. But all right. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, real quick. I, I, I dropped the ball on all this, but our giveaway last month was for a catchy bug catcher. And I finally did the whole thing and picked the winner. The winner is, and if he's listening live, you'll know now. If not, I'll, t- I'll message him later. But it is Nathan Holcomb. Oh. Nathan Holcomb cool. won the catchy bug catcher. And I will. Nice. Take, get that taken care of, get with him, get that sent to him. I also have a sponsor for this month, even though I have not pushed it yet. We will put up a thing probably tomorrow. Uh, the Grants, uh, Grant Family Exotics, want to sponsor again this month. And we pull up. We agreed we are going to do da, 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 a snake hook. It's what? Well, yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a yeah. whole uh, kit and caboodle of stuff for your snake room. Because uh, you can never have enough tools in your snake room. Because every time you need something, you can't find it. But we're going to do a 12-inch hemostat, 12-inch tong, large cage hook, and a field hook, all from Best Exotics, which is our our buddy Nine Finger Sean. Mm-hmm. 
where you can pick it up at if you win, you can pick it up at a Herp's Reptile Show or uh, JT will get that and he will ship it to you. But uh, I got to talk to JT. We'll figure out. I'll post it tomorrow what you got to do to win that. But that is our giveaway this month. It'll be a whole a cool one. Yeah, a whole kit of tools for you to use either in the field or in your herp room, however you want to do it. But we will figure out how we're going to give that away. But that is kind of – we'll give that away at the end of this month. And those catchies are great too. Anybody that doesn't have one, if you didn't yes. win it this month, you need to buy one. <laughs> They're wonderful. It's, yeah, it's, I've never heard someone go, no, nah, I don't like it. Yeah. That thing is – Those fruit flies in the snake room are so damn annoying. And that, that really – it works very well. Like I said, you never realize how many flies you have in there until you put a catchy up. And you're like, right. holy shit, there were a lot mm-hmm. of flies in here. Yeah. But, but then it's, they're, they're one of those things where I think it's it's just – you can't help it. We, we own animals in the house. And they're pooping. and like, You just can't help flies. It doesn't mean that your it, collection is dirty. It's inevitable. Yeah. It just happens. I breed them. I breed the flightless ones for Ugh. our dart frogs and then – Ivan supplements them with his geckos a little bit. Um, but they are, they're a necessary evil, but they are, well, they're not as bad as rats and mice. Let's put it that way. But <laughs> yeah, feeders in general aren't fun. <laughs> no. Hey, some, some senators, federal senators, uh, draft some legislation today to do away with the federal, uh, prohibition on cannabis. Oh, getting All one right. step closer to having weed. Yep. Uh, so legally, <laughs> but we will. I will contact Nathan. We'll get him his catchy bug catcher, and he can start catching catching flies. Which I think I need to get another one. I need to get one for uh, my my new snake room is technically is well to me it's two rooms because I took the door off a pretty big closet, and so I have my isopod room, which also has my incubator and my fridge for the winter, which is technically the closet, but it's a big closet. And then I have my snake room, so I need to get a catchy for both of those locations. Because uh, if you do any sort of bioactive or have any dirt whatsoever, you're going to end up with flies at some point. It's just they happen. So, but that is all I've got. Uh, Jason, thank you for coming on. I didn't. There was a lot of stuff I want to talk about rainbow boas and sand boas, and we, I just forgot to. So we'll have to come. You'll have to come on again. Uh, but <clears throat> anybody else? Anybody else got anything? We're good. Nope. Corey, thank you for filling it's, in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having me. I think. Katie's back next week. Well, she won't be here physically back, but she, oh, okay. she'll be she's back on. She's back to hosting. I think she'll be back hosting. If not, yeah, we, we may see if Corey comes back. I don't know. We'll see. You'll see. <laughs> but, uh, but thanks, Jason. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you and and reach out to you, especially about the Black Russian Sambo as well. Before I get my female, I need to get a female from you, so no one else is allowed to buy those. But if they want to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, I don't have a whole lot right now. I mean. Um, I got a Facebook page, Top Line Constrictors, and I you can get me at toplineconstrictors at uh, gmail.com or, you know, my personal Facebook page. I would say, you know, I, I do work a lot, um, so I'm not the fastest at responding. So don't be offended if it takes me a day or two to get back to messages and stuff just because I, I have kids. I got a full snake room and I work 60, 70 hours a week. So that's kind of where I'm at. You officially have the funnest name of any guests I've had. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Miller um, There's not, not many of us around, that's for sure. Just, um, in fact, I think the majority of the Miller in the country are now in uh, Colorado since I had three boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Corey, if they want to get a hold of you. Yeah. Uh, so it's Corey Martin Reptiles on Facebook and on Instagram. Easy Cor- enough to find. Corey with the K. Corey with the K. Corey with the K. K O R I. And so pay attention. She's got some hog noses coming up in the next couple months. So, 
you can get a yep. hog nose from her and a whole bu- and a whole bunch of other things. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be. I'm sure you'll be very glad to have <clears throat> babies again. I have a lot of babies now. Yeah. It's, it, they're coming back. I don't know if I told you, but uh, uh, can I talk about that, Corey? About what happened with that what? one snake? Yeah, sure. Yeah, she found that snake. Which snake? The I did. What was it, Corey? Yep. So it was a carpet python. So I had purchased a. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I had purchased a rack. That from a different rack vendor. Not me. Um, not Robert. I am only going with Robert now. His stuff is wonderful. Um, okay. Yes, I have my custom one and I love it. But it um, it wasn't tacked down properly in the back. And so there was a gap between where the shelf was and where the back wall was. And so I pushed the bin in, didn't realize there was a gap there, and the baby got out the back. And so I, I went on it. vacation and came back, and it was just chilling on my table in the snake room. Awesome. Well, she figured yep. it was going to be dead because it. I was certain right it, hadn't, it, it hadn't shed. Yep, right out in the open. It hadn't shed. It hadn't shed yet when I uh, when it got out. So I was like, I was sure it was just going to dehydrate and not make it, but it was fine. Did it and shed it while shed. it was on the run? Oh, that's nope. Awesome. Nope. It shed after it came back into its bin. Nice. Yep. But it was cool. out for like a good week and a half. So. Yeah. Yeah, because you guys was, went to Florida really, for like a week. We did. Yeah, yeah. I was really surprised. Well, that's so, awesome. It ended, it ended well, but I was so mad, man, when I figured that out. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Robert, if you want to get a hold of you and get a rack that won't fall you apart already, on them. You already did this. I, I, I did the sponsor thing, but I didn't do where you. Oh, it's still the same. No, no. Like LSReptileRacks.com. .com. See, I had to get. <laughs> oh. If you want to get a hold of me, it is simply underscore serpents on Instagram or simply serpents on Facebook. Uh, please don't message me about Brazilian rainbow babies yet. I had one person already. I posted pictures of them last night. Do you have any Brazilian rainbow bows available? Dude, you just saw the babies that were just born that I had. Dude, that is yet. the worst. It will not be the last. Oh, I know. That, honestly, when I said, you know, I don't respond to messages real quick, I will say that is my biggest pet peeve is when I post a picture and I say, these were born today and people are like, how much? When can you ship it? Give me their zip code. It's like, it's not. No, <laughs> I got to get them established. They got to get, you know, I, I want to make sure they're healthy. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. So gotta, people listening, please don't do that. Yeah. They got to eat first. Let me get like four meals into them and then we'll see. Also, I don't know. Which and also, ones I'm don't, don't, t- don't message people and say, I want a complete list of everything you keep and what you currently have available. Wow. I've never had that one. I get that all the time and it drives wow. me nuts. I mean, I keep a variety mm. of stuff, but I am. I'm a hobbyist. I mean, anything I make goes back into the, the animals. Like, yes. if you want to talk about something specific, I'd be happy to take pictures, but I certainly don't have time to go through everything on a whim. And <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me everything you have, when it was born, who you got it from? Pictures yeah. of the mom. Pictures of the Can day. you take five pictures of the mom from every side, top, bottom? Uh, and then can you knock half the price off? And, and yeah. then... Oh, do you want six hundred dollars? Ask my wife. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do you guys ask for, uh, for additional pictures when you buy snakes from people? Uh, it depends. Usually not. Like I'm buying sambos mostly, and I can pretty much tell what sambo. Like that's one of those snakes where you can get a pretty good picture of the whole thing, and I've got an idea of what I'm I'm getting there. Um, if yeah. it's like one of these um, doom rolls I was looking at earlier, all you can see is its head poking out of a tub. Yes, that's not enough. So yeah. Probably want more pictures. Well, and there's also one picture of a Doom Rolls I saw where you can 100% tell there's a red light above the Doom Rolls because you can see the red light shining off of the black fabric. So that Doom Rolls is not as pink as that picture is showing. So that's uh, one. So I, that's that, one see, that makes sense. Yeah, you want an accurate picture. Yeah, that's one where I'd be like, okay, can you take it outside and give me a picture of natural sunlight? That's what I want. Um, yeah, good luck. So I, uh, 
I, I started first selling on Kingsnake years ago. And before that, I would. I'd say, oh, can I have more pictures? And once I started selling, and this is before cell phones had cameras, you know? Yeah. I realized what a huge pain in that ass, in the ass that is. And mm-hmm. I've, uh, I vowed never to do that again unless there's a very specific reason, like you're saying, with weird lighting or something. Yeah, and I get it if there's a, a certain pattern you're going for uh, and and you can't be seen in the pictures. But to me, a good seller takes the proper picture. They take a picture that shows what needs to be seen on that snake. Um, and yeah. we saw a post earlier this week where someone complained about if people could just learn lighting, like learn how to light your animal properly. Um, one, don't shine a red light on it to make it look pinker than it really is. <laughs> that would be the first thing. Uh, but so far, I bought an iPhone 11 Pro purely so that I had enough cameras and good cameras to take pictures of snakes. That was the whole reason I bought that. And cell phone cameras now can take really good pictures uh-huh. if you just take the time to take the picture. Uh, so you but watch how surprised you are of how hard it is to get accurate colors of those baby rings. Oh, I know. I know. It's, I don't know what it is about rainbows and the way that their scales uh, reflect the light, but it is, it's difficult with those to be, you know, because some of them you're like, wow, that's not anywhere near that red. And then you'll take another picture and you go, whoa, that's not anywhere there, near that brown. Yeah, that's, I've talked about before. I've got a super salmon ghost corn snake that every picture, it looks great. But I'm telling you, it's Barbie pink. And you can't, yeah. I can't get it in. I, no matter what I do, I can't get it in a picture. I mean, I guess maybe if I shined a red light on it from above, I can make it look that way. <laughs> A nice red heat. <laughs> yeah, just like it's sitting, you know, at McDonald's waiting for me to get it. But so I, I've, 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 when I was younger, I definitely was, can I get more pictures? But I'm like, yeah, I, I can usually see what I need to see. Corey, I'm sure you yeah. get that question a lot. What? About pictures. Uh, well, yeah, I always have to give updated pictures on because the carpets change, change every time they should. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I guess that makes sense too if you're dealing with animals that, look different each and every shed you do want to see updates yeah but i'm usually offering to do that i'm not like getting demands for it usually i'm just like you know someone's interested and i'm like oh let me get you an updated picture so yeah oh wow yeah. you're nicer than me i'm like fuck off i'll find somebody else moving on i'm yeah, new exactly. i haven't been i haven't been worn down yet i'm sure it'll come so that's why uh i mean that's the cool thing about shows is you can let people handle it. You can let people like see it in person and they can really make their own judgment, you know, right then and there. Yeah. Well, that's why when I buy stuff online, I tend to like to buy from reputable readers. Uh, so I know we got to go, but I, I want to throw this one thing. Mm-hmm. I got an email today. Remember I bought that boa that was supposed to be a female, but is a male. All right. So I bought this boa. It, it, it looked like everything I wanted, except it has hemipenes, which is the problem. <laughs> uh, but I kept it. They gave, they, they, they did me right. They gave me back part of my money and we were good. And then I said, Hey, look, whenever you have more contact me, well, they messaged me today and I was like, I'd love to get a female from you, but I just moved and have no money. So, but that was really awesome. They, they remembered and they reached back out to me. And so that, that's, that's huge to me just because they could have just said, yeah, whatever. And then moved right along. Uh, but that was a big thing for me. Uh, and that's good. It's nice to have that, to maintain that personal connection, you know? Yeah. It, to me, it's not hard to be a good breeder. A lot of it is just yeah, the ability. It's just being a good person in general. Yeah. yeah. And some people just fail at that. From the <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Yeah. We're getting out of here. All right. Deuces. Uh, talk to everybody later. That's it. Goodbye. Bye. All right. 
Bye. 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 Bye.